Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 44. With this again, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm feeling really good uh, tonight. You're t- oh, don't feel bad. It's over. It's perfectly fine to say John Wolf or John J. Wolf. It's just, I don't need the J for anything. You know what I mean? So I'm a creature John of John Wolf just makes sense. No, and it perfectly makes sense. So yeah, fuck it. Fuck it, though. I don't want it in there too much. And, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I feel really good, man. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. We're down in North Carolina, and every time the GCW goes down south, it's always entertaining. Is uh, this what uh, JBL calls North Kakalaki, right? North Carolina? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, that's the only time I've ever heard that North Carolina be called North Kakalaki is JBL. Oh, you know what? Um, oh, I'm sure. I think some old hip-hop songs from the 90s also, North Kakalaka. Now I have to, I have to go back now. Yeah. now. I have to go back and listen to uh, who made his appearance today. Petey Pablo. I have to go listen to some of his Yeah, Petey Pablo probably has something <laughs> in there. I know he yells North Carolina a whole bunch, but I don't right? know. <laughs> we'll have to figure that one out. So before we get into GCW's Don't Talk to Me, uh, we have a lot of lots of news. A lot. Uh, from the collective, from some shows announced before the collective. And a couple of matches announced for the next GCW show that comes live, since I know we're three episodes behind, uh, for the Jersey Jacob. So um, which one would you want to start with first, John? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so <laughs> the White Eagle Hall, here is the Jacob roster. Let me go ahead and kind of break that out. I think that's the first part, place to start here. We have 20 entrants in this. We have Mike Bailey, Ares. Commander, Starboy Charlie, Alec Price, Blake Christian, Tony Deppen, Jake Cartwheel, Cole Radrick, Leo Rush, Jordan Oliver, Billy Starks, Charles Mason, Jonathan Gresham, Alex Shelley, Dante Leon, Dylan McKay, Yoya, Marcus Mathers, and Joey Janella. Wow. That's PWG on steroids. Wow. Yeah, man. Jersey City, February 11th. It's going to be a fantastic show. I'll tell you that much. And there has been six uh, matches announced so far. I figured you might want to talk about these a little. We have Joey Janela versus Starboy Charlie. Mike Bailey versus Gresham. Again, we're looking at a uh, a rematch there. You know, that needed to happen, too. I hope they really end up calling that one Bailey Gresham 3. It yep. deserves to have a number at this point. Uh, Commander versus Arez. That's Leo me. versus Deppen, Shaley versus Shaley, <laughs> Shelly versus Jordan, and Blake versus Alec Price. There's a lot of bangers in there, like a lot of potential, you know, fantastic matches. Any one of those could steal the night. Yeah, and we went to the eight competitors that are not announced yet for a match, and I kind of put together who I think was going to go. So we got Jack Cartwheel. I think it'd be kind of smart to put a team, uh, put him against uh, Dante Leon because. I think both of their styles, the high fly, that's going to be kind of a pretty death defying moves and a bunch of uh, a bunch of flippy shit, as they say. And I'm all for that, especially for uh, Dante Leon getting in there with Jack Cartwheel. Right. Uh, then we got uh, Cole Radrick. I think Cole would be a nice little matchup for Billy Starks. I think that for the first round, I think their their uh, styles could complement each other very well, um, especially with as much growth as uh, Billy Starks has shown lately. And they both got the that kind of also has like a little Billy Starks brand, uh, not Billy Starks brand. Uh, uh, what's that? The BSB. Oh my god. Yeah, all, yeah. Uh, Big Starks brand. Yes. So uh, I think that'd be kind of nice little first round matchup, a little storyline kind of go there. Obviously, we always talk about storylines. 
Um, all these matches, uh, the next three, two matches, I think would be good storylines too. Marcus Mathers going against Dylan McKay. I think you could do uh tag partner versus tag partner, which would be a fun mm-hmm. first round match. And then just another continuation of another storyline, Charles Mason and Yoya. Maybe it's Yoya's chance to uh, get some retribution on Charles Mason in the first round of this tournament as well. And just for the fuck of it, I would consider Mason maybe going up against Billy Starks just because oh, yeah. that heat, yeah. just because that heat. The heat or what the momentum it could give Billy. Like we saw the momentum that Masha start. Uh, Masha, oh my God, I'm all over the place. Masha Slamovich okay. had uh, during the New Year's that uh, she took that momentum from night one. And as much uh, the crowd was cheering for her on the next night, and then in the Rumble, that kind of turned into a Rumble win. So yeah, I could see Billy Starks using that uh, momentum going against Charles Mason. If Charles doesn't win, he would get the heat. I think uh, Billy would have a lot of. Here's going for her going into round two of that tournament as well. But even those matches, the matches announced so far too, as you said, I think Janela versus Starboys, I like it's kind of all storyline driven, other than like maybe one or two matches, because Joey Janela and Starboy are team teaming up to mm-hmm. go against the South Pacific Savages, and now they're going against each other. So I definitely like that matchup. Bailey versus Gresham, as you said, that could just be I'm actually number three. Yep. I'm not surprised. I think you know how, like, in some of these tournaments, like right before the finals, they need like a kind of a filler match to give the last two competitors from the semis, the winners, mm-hmm. um, a little break. I think Bailey versus Gresham could have just been a general match, not even part of the tournament. As you said, like, have it be part three of the trilogy and have them just kind of finish off that story, then going into the main event of. The Jacob, I thought, would be a smart idea, too. But it's kind of cool we get Gresham and Bailey in the tournament because whoever wins will get to see more of them. So I definitely can't complain with that. You know what? You're right, too. I think the way that match would be set up would be so important that it is a standalone match and would do fantastic right before a finish, as long as it doesn't overshadow the finish you know what i mean that's the hard part that could uh that could leave a lot of shoes to uh, a lot of shoes to fill for the main event and these competitors now would probably be well it is split up into two nights so maybe like two matches in that night so still recovering um i still can't wait for you bailey gresham i could see that all day long and i'm glad i was super glad we got the second one and then now the third one i'm super excited for that one commander versus ares that's going to be a Great lucha match. That is going to be fantastic. I yeah. can't wait for that one. That one I think could be a sleeper of the tournament, especially in the first round, because we've seen how much Arez has kind of not grown, but I think he's now, as we talked about last time, given the space and time to not be in a scramble match. So he's got to show off more of his moveset and what he's capable of in the ring. And I think yeah. what he's been doing now with Commander, who's also gotten that same time in the ring as a singles competitor, I'm excited for this one. I think Arez has become a welcome face. You know what I mean? Like every time he shows up now, I'm happy. I know what I'm getting and I'm satisfied every, every match he's been. And I've been more than happy with what I've watched. Yeah, I, I agree. The one he had against um Cole Radrick was a fun one, but I kind of don't think we've even got to see the full potential, especially in GCW no, already no. in a death match. Seeing that match that oh, really? against Drew Parker and VXS out here in Vegas, when Drew Parker got hurt, oh, like that was him. Yeah, that 14 minute match oh, was shit. crazy. It was like yes, I it was. never saw a resident death match. And I saw that death match. I was like, whoa, I got I found a new appreciation for our res after that match with Drew Parker. And then that was the only time I've seen him in a death match, and he looked very confident. So with GCW, who knows? Maybe he could start diving into a little bit of uh extreme title this or title shots or something like that because he was exciting in that match with Drew Parker. Wow. Wow. And next. 
Leo V. Deppen. Now that's also a little story. Well, kind of a storyline driven thing. They met up not too long ago. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I, I just think that'd be a fun. Uh, well, this one's in Atlantic City, so Leo might have a chance to get some <laughs> cheers out there against Deppen. But in LA, I don't think that was going to happen. Um, right. Yeah, I this the one like I think it's a fun match to see too because Leo his matches are always kind of like speedball like it's just go 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 100 miles an hour kind of like Blake Christians too but Blake has kind of knows how to slow it down so does Leo right. but it's no fun watching a slow down Leo and I think this might be a good chance to see Leo in a slower kind of pace match and see what he does with Deppin and do more storytelling and more grip mat work instead of just going a thousand miles an hour. So I'm, I'm excited to see that one too. Cause we know Deppin when it, the time calls for it, for him to go a thousand miles an hour, he knows when to kind of plug along and do that as well. Okay. So let's play around just for a second. How about Leo versus Gresham? I think that Gresham would bring Leo's game up to a point to where I think it's a match. Maybe Leo needs because it would kind of solidify a little more of who he is. It would, it would show us that he could really, he can wrestle. We know he can wrestle, but it would be really cool to see him have 15, 20 minutes with Gresham. And they put on one hell of a show. I, I know that for sure. Yeah. And I'd I love think, to see it. I think this is a good, like, even like appetizer for that match against Tony Deppin, because I think Tony Deppin's really good on the mat as well. I do think Gresham is a little bit more stylish in his ground game and that's why i kind of like his ground game not like saying i don't like tony's ground game but i think it's just two different two different styles of how they utilize technician holds and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um yeah i'm excited for leo versus De- tony depp and that's for sure and so then, for okay. me for me the way i just wanted to mention because i've said this a couple of times i don't know if i've ever said it to you though to me leo has always seemed with his motions circular and fluid If you ever watch him, there's a lot of spins. It's very circular with his motions, but also he's very fluid. Like he's able to get and go through things that most people you don't think we're going to do. And he can jump and hop through things. And he's just phenomenal in that aspect. And every time I think of him, I always think of him as those two things. So I just wanted to mention that to you because I know you're such a huge fan and it's just a small thing, but I think about it all the time. I'm like, okay, if I get it out of my head, maybe I'll stop thinking about it as much. Another fun match too would be Gresham versus Deppin. <laughs> I would like to see that. Like that's the beautiful oh thing. As we oh kind of talked about this during the tournament, there's matchups I want to see that might not ever, not ever happen, but might not happen during this tournament because once they're out, they're out. And that's where I was kind of saying before in one of the last podcasts, I would like to see them kind of not the like not have a losers bracket, but be able to see different matchups, kind of like a losers bracket. Maybe they will with twenty competitors. I remember Brett saying on the GCW podcast that. They were looking into doing a like because of the odd amount of numbers, they would probably have to do a scramble. So I don't know how that would work into it, but maybe just kind of leave the last spot open and do kind of a like a loser's bracket just to see different varieties of matchups. But that's going to be a lot of matches for those wrestlers that weekend. So I could see like realistically uh, not happening, but I would just as a fan love to see all the different matchups we could see just from the people who lost their matches in the first or second round even as well. Okay, so Jordan Grace, John Gresham, uh, Shun Skywalker, Mike Bailey, Commander Alex Shelley, Aramis, Titus Alexander. That's who was at BOLA this past year. And um, I'm kind of wondering if the J-Cup looks better than BOLA. I, I'm not even just saying this because I'm a GCW fan, but I 
Mm-hmm. Would, if I had to pick, I'd rather go to this show than Bola. Like, even though I want to go to, like, I really want to go Bola because, especially this year, it was supposed to be Leo versus Speedball, and that was enough to get me to go. Well, wanted to go to that one, but Leo got hurt, unfortunately, so that match never did happen. But I, yeah, those 20 competitors is enough for me. I would rather go to AC to watch, or the White Eagle Hall to watch this than I would go to LA just because. I don't know if maybe I am biased because I am a little bit more familiar with some of these people like than I am. And you have for, a podcast. Yeah, so. but like I don't want to be biased. And I'm trying, <laughs> no, and I, I get it. And I'm I realistic. Like I don't think like I don't think that's it. Like I'm just I'm more familiar with say even a Starboy than I am like Black Taurus because I've only seen him a little bit here and there on Impact and GCW and um, a couple of like the West Coast companies. I haven't seen too much of him where I have seen a little bit more of Starboy as well. So. I might be playing a little bit biased, but unintentionally because I just, I'm excited for the Jacob. I swear. Like, I think I tweeted out like right away that this was one of the biggest independent, like as for the names it's been, I know Bola's had quite a few names. I just don't think at this moment you like to have someone like Bailey Gresham, Leo Rush in this tournament, Alex Shelley. Those are huge names to be in a independent independent tournament. So the name value alone, I think kind of lends towards the advantage GCW or JCW for the J-Cup than it would be for Bolo. And I'm going to bring us back here to these matchups for the J-Cup. Our next one here is Shelly versus Jordan. Same thing, storyline driven. Yep. Yeah, this is one where Shelly promised Jordan and Wayne that they were going to get a shot at uh, just, uh, no, they were just going to get a match the next yep. time MC and, you know, got back together again. And, um, yeah, this is a little bit of that storyline there. I think this is the two generals of the team meeting up. Yeah, and I think that this is going to be, like I just said, the storyline. Hopefully it leads to a eventual East-West Express versus uh, Motor City Machine Guns because I think they announced the gun, the machine guns are actually going to be wrestling for GCW coming up here soon. I just don't remember when. Um so I think this could be a good lead into that as a good kind of like prelude of maybe uh, mm-hmm. someone start acting a little bit heelish or just set up a story. Oh, yeah. and I, I believe it will. And I can't wait to see it because Jordan's definitely earned it. And I'm glad he's able to get this one on one against Alex Shelley because I don't the last time he went against Alex Shelley, I don't think it was one on one. It was the triple threat with. Yeah, it was a triple threat with Nick Wayne. You're right. Yeah. And yeah. that's where Alex Shelley promised that both of them would be get the chance. So who knows that I'm excited for that, that match as well, because we always talk about storytelling and this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> you just see these first, the first round alone that tells a lot of stories just in the first round. So I'm interested to see as it progresses, where it kind of leads towards near the, when it gets to like the championship of the tournament and stuff. And I think the and next then- oh, go ahead. No, you go first because I know I'm going to go branch off into something for a minute. You go right ahead. I'm going to write this note down for after you're done. I was going to say, I think the next one's one that we both were calling for and kind of uh, asking for because with the whole momentum that Alec Price has been going on lately and Blake kind of going heel and Price, even though he is a heel, he can still get the cheers. And I think this might be the match that kind of will... I don't think he's going to change into a face, but I think we'll get the crowd a lot more behind him on a regular basis than it, as it is per appearance on um, for, on Alec Price. Because I think when you go to the East Coast, he gets cheered. But when he comes out here to the West Coast or the Midwest, he kind of does still get a lot of those boos because they're not uh-huh. as familiar. They're not used to the attitude. Yeah, and they're not as familiar with the character, the attitude with the character and stuff like that. So I could see... 
this possibly being one of these things that it makes him get way over with all the fans and kind of keeps them there, especially if Blake continues his heelish tactics that he's been using lately. I could see this being a nice little jumping point to a fan favorite, Alec Price. Well, yeah, Alec Price on the East Coast is like Mac on the West Coast. If you pull them off their coast, it is just a little different because one has one vibe of one coast. One has one vibe of the other. L.A. doesn't get New York and vice versa. That's just how it is. And I mean, yeah, so (laughs) I'm not going to get too far into. No, I'm going to get into this right now. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. so I like to always go back and say, hey, you know what? I was talking about this or complaining about this or and we really don't do that much. We try not to do that, you know at all really because it just doesn't add to any arguments to sit there and just shit on stuff without at least having ideas to improve it so i just wanted to kind of say kudos to gcw for flooding us with storylines it really has added depth to the product and the people that watch it like us we appreciate it it really does add some value to the matches so i just wanted to say we've we've asked about video we've asked about audio we've asked about storylines we've gotten an improvement on all of those fronts in the last six months alone has been incredible and i just wanted to make sure i set just like a little minute or two aside to just say that i notice everything they're doing i'm not you know but i'm sure all the fans are noticing and i said something about it before and it's time for me to take that back and say they did exactly what i asked for Personally, I think you were asking for primarily around the same thing. And um, thank you, because it really does make a difference. And the product is so much more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And I'm like, as you said, I feel like I'm more invested in watching these shows because of everything that kind of you said. And I don't want to say just us as me and you and the podcast have asked for. I just think fans in general. Right. And I'm not saying like we're a voice of the fans either, because like we're just our own voices and we our are own fans. Too. Yeah. Uh but I think they've given us a lot of stuff we've asked for um that we've talked about on this podcast as you said all those things and now with the J Cup like this tournament is all the fire. top names Fucking fire yep. fire. And just going off storylines we see there's now there's not just Masha versus Blake, there's Akira and Blake, there's Masha and Nick Gage still that needs to be told. There's the East West Express if they're going to be getting another tag shot. We got Los Macisos still defending against all the other cool little tag teams. We got, especially with the collective coming up now, we got Thrussy and uh, the Masons Mercenaries going at it and stuff like that. So, yeah, big thank you to making a very entertaining product and listening to all the fans out there and making it more enjoyable. Like I said, at least on my end, I've been way more invested into these shows. And as yes. we kind of talk yeah. about these next coming up shows, that it's another thing we asked for, like where the hell Vegas is. Boom. We got a show like Vegas. show. <laughs> we got a Vegas show. We got a uh, Vegas uh, in Vegas. We got um, GCW doing a code uh, co promotion, a co-card with VXS, which is something that we've also mm-hmm. talked how much we've loved VXS and Isaac. Love VXS. Yep. Isaac in the production. So another thing we're getting is a Vegas show with VXS production. So I can't complain at all. Like there's nothing. Uh, I'll, you know me, I'll probably find something I'll complain about, which is no, that's no, just me, no, but no, no. I'm excited for everything coming up. GCW with the J cup, with these Vegas tournaments, with the collective announcements they did. They didn't, they just announced right before we turned on speedball versus Abushi for blood sports. Like, Good lord, and Abushi just alone. Mm-hmm. Even, like Abushi earlier today was a giant announcement. Uh, 
being as he is a free agent now and his first stop he wanted no, not, I don't think it's the first stop but one of the first announcements that he wants to go to is GCW Collective so big kudos on getting uh, Ibushi to show up for Collective and booking him in a crazy Bloodsport match against uh, Speedball and we still got one more match he said he's going to be on Joey Jones Spring Break and I personally would like there's me here's here's my one complaint that I'm not going to. I wanted to see Ibushi against Speedball in a regular wrestling match, not a Bloodsport kind of match. So I would have preferred it being there, but I'm still super excited to see it because I don't think those two could disappoint in any type of matchup they have, even a Bloodsport match. And that's something that we haven't really seen Speedball or Ibushi do. So um, I'm super excited just to see how they perform in a blood sport kind of match as well so i'm gonna go back and touch on something real quick because i'm looking at these six matches that we'd announced they put blake up against price heel v heel i find that really interesting too because you know both of them could use more heat unless there's something there like you were saying we don't know about maybe alex you know alec is turning who knows but i wanted to mention that and the other thing was this Las Vegas. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. GCW VXS Jimmy Lloyd's All Grown Up. That's going to be on Friday, February 17th. Tickets are already on sale for this one. You and I are going to be bringing our little group front row. We're yep. there. We're going to be there. Um, it's going to be a fantastic time. And if anyone wants to freaking say hi, everybody's friendly. So if you have a chance for real, just say, hey. Hello, nobody punch anybody. That's what goes on in the ring. <laughs> so, yeah. And then right after that, you and I are packing up and heading over to L.A. for Saturday's show. GCW middle of the night on Saturday, February 18th. Little We've got a collective. busy February going on here. A mini collective. I'm looking forward to it. That's why I was telling my wife, like, you know, we're going to be up to like midnight for the GCW show. We're going to have to go right mm-hmm. to bed and wake up. And hit the road early in the morning just to get there for the GCW LA show. So I'm all for it, though. I'm all like, that's that's my kind of stuff. That's the stuff that gets me excited. And like, I love like when they had the collective weekend out here with Black Label Pro and all those. As you saw, and you went to all those shows too. I went to like everything that week, and I just had a fantastic time that entire weekend. Um, this this little two shows from Vegas, LA. I'm really looking forward to, especially. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Gosh, I'm so thankful for something out here. It's just really nice. It's been 10, eight, eight, nine, 10 months. Eight months. Uh, yeah. When were they yeah, out here? August. Been a while. Yeah. So March, April, May, May, they were out here. So. Oh, it was May, not August. Ago. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So it's been a while. Um, gosh, I'm so damn excited. I think I'm more excited that they're doing a co-production with VXS. Like I am, I, when they edit their stuff, VXS, and then they used to post it like afterwards, after they did the post-production with their Mm -hmm. video packages, their musics, the sound, like instead of the ring bell, we get the fight. Like, I just love everything VXS has done. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see how those two work together and, possibly going forward, seeing a lot more either co-shows or like, I don't want to VXS to go away, but maybe just kind of in just melting VXS into GCW, just production value wise and letting Isaac kind of be in charge of how production looks. I think that would be just add a different look to GCW that I think would be a positive because I think Isaac's production value with especially post-production is so like, and it enhances the product 
Like I've watched one show live without any of the stuff, and then like when you go back and watch it with the pro- production, with the videos, the mm-hmm. sound, the, like mm-hmm. as we everything we talk about, we last for like these little videos to kind of catch us up on why is Jordan Oliver going against Jimmy Lloyd and blah blah blah, and then boom, we get a video on. Jimmy Lloyd sitting there talking about why he's the ace of VXS and Jordan saying why he's the ace of VXS. And they're just both cutting promos on each other and it's in video form right before the match happens. So I think that's another positive that we've been asking for. And I think VXS is continues to do a good job with it. And hopefully they can keep helping out with GCW this, especially in this night with the production that they've been increasing their value on and stuff. So I'm looking forward to see how those two companies kind of work together and, if it moves forward or not. Okay. And so we had to go ahead and restart a part of this recording because I started going off on everything BXS. I'm a big fan. B, you're a big fan. So for me, what it was in a nutshell was that VXS always made sure that they put on good shows. They made the most of what they had available to them. They always had entertaining cards. They always had great talent. They pulled talent from everywhere. Jeez, that's where I discovered Santana. That's where I guess I watched Ares before I even knew who he was. Yeah. And it just seems like with what they have available to them, they really work well uh, with it. And then also I noticed that when it comes to, like you were saying, video graphics, things like that, he doesn't skimp. He makes sure that everything looks really freaking good. So as a GCW fan, as a fellow Deathmatch fan, this is a company that I would say, if you have a chance, go back and watch the VXS catalog. And then if you have a chance, get out to that next VXS show, because again, we're, we're, I'm saying it for free. There's no sponsorship. They're fucking awesome. If you have a chance, go out and see them. They're going to deliver a good show. So if you like GCW, you're going to really enjoy VXS. You're going to see why they work together after that show is over on the 17th. Yeah, when they were running shows quite often, I was kind of mad because they would always run out like on a Thursday night or Wednesday night. I'm like, no, do it like on the weekends. I could go out there and watch it. And then when they announced the first Vegas show, I'm like, oh, I could go finally watch the VXS show in Vegas. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun show. But like you said, it's different. If you like, but if you like GCW, I I don't see how you will not like VXS because it's a lot of the same wrestlers, as you said, the deathmatch wrestlers. And a lot of the same feel. The crowd feels kind of like a GCW crowd. It might be obviously a little bit smaller because it's a smaller company than GCW. But I think the energy from the crowd and it's a lot of the same faces you see at GCW shows as well. So I, mm-hmm. I think everything that you said is similar to GCW, except just on a little bit lower, a lower budget. But as you said, whatever he has, he makes he makes the most out of it and absolutely works hard to make sure that we all enjoy it. And he gets the most out of whatever he can do for each and every show. And again, kills it. Absolutely kills it. There isn't a show that I won't be attending from this point forward as long as it's in my drivable area. So, yeah, I won't be taking any, you know, I won't be flying anywhere East Coast. If I did, I'd love to get to GCW on the East Coast because I've seen that carousel room so many times. It's like, I got to get there. That It's like their mecca Yep, is at the carousel room. So. TOS is like kind of my new goal now to go catch a TOS out there one summer. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, a spring break, I think. You're hitting my goal of a spring break this year. Yeah. Like I said, it just the, well, we'll probably talk about it at the end, but all the announcements that are kind of being made for the collective weekend, it's been exciting. I am way more excited now than when I bought my tickets originally. <laughs> originally, it's like, right, because right. nothing was announced and I was just expecting a good time. But then, like, once Planet Death kind of hurt it a little bit, 
But with DDT and kind of the roster that DDT is bringing out, I kind of got my excitement back up. But then you got Kota Bushi now, some of these fun matches with uh, Vikingo versus Speedball and stuff. So, yeah, the collective is already shaping up to be, I, I tweeted out, his historic one, in my opinion, just because of all the crazy shit they're, they're announcing this out in advance compared mm-hmm. to getting closer. So it's uh, off to a very good start for the collective weekend and all the fans out there to watch all that stuff um, during WrestleMania weekend. And we haven't discussed it, but I think it's pretty fair to say we're probably going to cover the Jacob on a show. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. No. Yeah, okay. I think we okay. could probably do it two in one. Like we probably do it in one episode. Like an extensive so it's yeah. going to be a long episode. If you like to fall asleep to our episode, <laughs> then that's going to be the one you want to fall asleep to. So, okay, we'll see how it goes, but I think that could be done in one, but we'll figure it out. It can always be done in one. You know how it is. Yeah. Even if we have to do it in two nights, we can always smash it together so people don't have to flip through shit. Yeah. We're not very good at making all these things into episodes. <laughs> it's kind of a good thing because, I don't know, it's just all one chunk. There's no bullshit. If you're on it, you're on it. That's it. No yeah. commercials, no nothing. Yeah, we get on. We <laughs> no Bluetooth. Well, uh, I know we started. We gotta start getting some sponsorships here for as much time as we spend talking. Gosh, yeah, it's still fun. Yeah, you know? it's very fun. Yeah, so I mean, this is. I just wanted to kind of explain it to people out there who I'm sure probably most of you already know. February is light for GCW. There's not a lot going on out there. We have the J Cup on the 11th and 12th, I believe. And then we're looking at the 17th in Las Vegas and the 18th in Los Angeles. And as far as I can see, that's it. Yeah, I so, don't think I've so, seen anything other than I think like the end of February was after that. So as we catch up, it's almost a blessing in disguise because as all the fans out there are like, okay, what do I do? There's only three shows this month. We at least have some material coming out there and we're spacing it out. So there's at least some form of entertainment to listen to if, you know, if we're entertainment. Yeah, actually so, in February, they just have the Jacob Vegas show, LA, and then March 4th and 5th is showboat in Atlantic City. So yeah, yeah a very yeah. short uh, month in February, which is good for us to play catch up and get our bodies ready yeah. for collective. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the whole thing, though. I mean, we're going to pace ourselves out this February. March is going to be a decent month. It's going to be a, an average pace. And then this collective hits, we've got automatically 10 shows Yep, 10 or shows. we can kind of go through them. If there's one or two that are like smaller or they're underwhelming, we can maybe like bunch them together into one or something. Yeah. No offense to Santino, uh, the Santino brothers show, but I think that might be one of them we could condense because I don't know too much of the other uh, entire roster, but it is also GCW collective weekend. So they might just blow the socks off my boots or however that saying goes. Yeah. Hey, yeah, maybe you'll get blown at the collective. That's how it works. (laughs) So, no, gosh, that's horrible. Um, Okay, so I will say, though, remain positive because I don't know much about it either, so I can't counterpoint in any way. But you never know. I mean, there's always a first. I'd say definitely go and check it out. Give it a good good look-see because maybe it'll be a banger. Maybe there'll be a couple bangers there. We do not know just yet yeah i'm keeping my mind open especially as much has been announced already i think the collective is going to be a super fun weekend and such a variety yeah like an absolute variety of people coming from all over the world to show up and, and just entertain the shit out of us it's i don't know where the money's come coming from like 
I don't care if it's cocaine money. I don't give a damn where it's coming from. I appreciate that the money's spent in all the appropriate spaces. That's for sure. Because we're really having a good time reviewing all of these shows. And like I said, an average GCW show anymore could have been the bola for this next yep. year. Yeah. So just stay on your toes and enjoy your four ninety nine a month because boy, oh boy, is it a hell of a lot more worth it than say 15 here, 20 here, you know? It's really nice on the budget right yes. now being a GCW fan than it was, say, six months to a year ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was actually just had that same conversation with my wife. I'm like, I'm glad we only just had to pay that $5 a month and not $20 this weekend, $30 next weekend. So that is another positive to uh, please the fans that GCW and uh, Brett has taken with Fight TV of making everything so cheap for the price of $4.99 a month. Yeah, and this really does help solidify GCW as the number three in the country. And I think more people need to see how much variety GCW does put out there because it is the catch-all for quite a few fans, for sure, that are just not into the product anymore, the mainstream WWE, AEW product. And I'm now seeing how GCW is necessary to wrestling because it is catching all those fans that would have lapsed in, walked away. So you have someone like me that I hadn't watched Raw in three years, four years. Here come AEW. I started watching AEW. I had absolute hope that there was going to be someone to come around and just be different and bring the product back with some of the attitude it used to have. That attitude being aggression and, you know, all the fun stuff that went into wrestling. You know, someone walks out, he looks like a mean motherfucker. He probably is. I like that. Not every one of the people need to be pretty superstar looking Hollywood people, but I understand they have their place too. But yeah, they're absolutely necessary. And without GCW, there would be one hell of a void. There's a lot of performers that we're learning about here that end up blowing up. Sometimes two months later, sometimes two years later. Look at Billy Starks now. She's on dark, dark and every she, week now. Yep. She's over there with, you know, one of the one of the past champions banging it out. It's just like fantastic. Like Christian had a Ring of Honor World Championship match against uh Claudio this week. So it's like Deppin. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I love on. it. No, yeah, you're spot on, right? Like that's my two always grateful and thankful moments for GCW was after going to that first show, not really knowing GCW mm -hmm. and just having my mind blown on the atmosphere, the action, the fans, the crate, like the craziness. Like I was in like right away. I was like that yeah. I'm in. And it, as you said, it brought my love back to wrestling tenfold, even more than when I was as a kid. Um, I it was the same way. I kind of stopped watching weekly wrestling and just would wait for the pay-per-views and AEW came along and I've been a Young Bucks elite Omega fan since they really kind of started getting together and stuff like that so they were a very big help of watching me getting getting into um, weekly programming again but GCW with the energy to get back into wrestling and then as you said I think that what they're doing so good for just wrestling industry is giving all these wrestlers the chance and platform that they never would have had it before and on a way bigger stage now than you would have like no shots on any of like these companies on IWTV or something like that. But that's like kind of a niche site, unless you know of independent wrestling where GCW, I think a lot more people know of GCW wrestling than they do of IWTV. So the wrestlers that they're able to get like speedball, Masha, um, getting Vikingo to the 
the USA, exposing him to USA fans. I think they've done such an incredible job with getting talent, um, more exposure for the bigger companies to eventually work with them and make a lot, like not make a lot, well, make a lot more money, but also get even bigger exposure and keep growing their brand in a positive manner. Yeah, it just seems like GCW is using that ECW, WCW style of talent apprehension. It's variety. You bring variety to the table and people are going to be engaged. If you don't like this, wait 10 minutes. Something else is coming along. I love that because if they don't get you on orange juice, they're going to get you on apple juice. And they don't get you on apple juice, they're going to get you on milk. And, oh, you don't like those things? We got water. Like, that's all in there. And I really love how that's all wrapped in a nice package. Oh, you need alcohol? Here's MSGC. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We we need vodka. <laughs> Vodka's the death matches. <laughs> No, I'm not there with you. I thought though, that was I, whiskey. Whiskey'd be a death match. Let me tell you, that's the fighting drink. Yeah, I I agree with you though, because like when I used to kind of get a lot of my not friends, but like online people that would watch like my stream and stuff like that, they would say like, "Oh, you're in wrestling." And I'm like, "Yeah, you ever heard GCW?" No, I'm like, "Okay, what style wrestling do you want?" And boom, I could give you a match that's GCW that I think you will watch and you become a fan of GCW based mm-hmm. off your style of wrestling. Like I always go back to the the lucha. A lot of the people that were like, um, I was watching wrestling with were Lucha fans. So I showed them the, the Hammerstein, the six man Lucha match that they had at Hammerstein and yeah, yeah. how much that blew their mind. And like it, be, it made a couple people go to the collective last year to watch the world on Lucha. Just that, just that show on the collective weekend, but they were a fan that would have never gone until they saw, I showed them like the, the Lucha style that GCW does and they fell in love with it. And they now they do watch GCW and stuff like that. They'll like randomly text whenever like the LA show um, when they had the last crazy Lucha match there. I, they, he texted me. He's like, wait, you said you were at that show. And like, we were just talking about it. I was telling him how cool it was. And he got jealous and he's like, I when are they coming back to Houston? When are they coming back to the Texas area and stuff like that. So it is, like you said, it is something for everybody. If it's not this match, it will be the next match. But not next match, it will be there. Just give it time to... Just blink. Exactly. Just blink because the action's boom, boom, yep. boom. I mean, they don't even take much time between, you know, matches. That's The guys yeah. are walking out. You count one, two, three, and damn near you're ready, you know, for the next one to hit. So, yeah, this this is really exciting. This is a good time to be a fan also. It, it just really is. There's so much out there, and the internet has brought exposure to wrestling and wrestlers that, for the good and bad, puts eyeballs on them. You can be oversaturated real quick, especially as a newer independent wrestling fan. We've both been there at one time or another. Yes. Yep. You said it good. <laughs> so, okay. Um, What do you say? We keep rocking it out and talking about this. Uh, we got a show to get to eventually, right? Let's hop into <laughs> episode 44. GCW. Oh, yeah. Episode 44. <laughs> GCW's Don't Talk to Me. Uh, I had the sound off, so or very low because I watched the super late at night. So I'm gonna probably butcher this venue. So I'll let you announce it. <laughs> Hopefully you can pronounce sure. it better than I can. Sure. I'm gonna go ahead and give a run at it too. I have the Cabarrus Arena and Events Center in Concord, North Carolina. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to do it. So yeah, we're we're not too far out of Charlotte. There is uh I think it was Champagne mentioned that they're not too far out of Charlotte, and that's Ric Flair country. Yeah, oh, yep, I, I thought wondering. that was a wonderful little shout out. Um, do you want me to go right into pre-show remarks? And Sounds okay, look, good. so 
my personal opinion is I don't like talking about sad stuff. And this was one of those moments where it was very sad. So there are moments I'll talk about for a moment and I'll move on because some of it is uh, better to be respected in the moment with what's going on. And we talked so, about some of this stuff too um, on the last podcast as well. Absolutely. So the show starts with a tribute to Jay Briscoe. It opened the show. Uh, Emil really was, it fucked me up. Emil was fucked up bad. He's almost shaking while he's talking. It was really a rough time for everyone there. They honored with a 10 bell salute. All the performers were there at ringside to honor Jay. Uh, honestly, it's something special. There were Briscoe chants all throughout the crowd. And that's where I'm going to leave it there. I will say, though, for a while, the crowd took a bit to come back from that moment. It was, again, just it was very somber. It was very quiet. It was very respectful. And um, yeah, it just took it took a lot from the crowd initially very early. It was just wow. So um, I'm just going to say it after watching this whole show. I would have taken the four way that was right before the main event stuck it in the beginning of this show to pull the crowd back in because Nick Wayne is fantastic. Arez is fantastic. I think these guys needed a little more. The crowd needed a little more to wake up because they were sucked in and really feeling down about the Briscoe situation. So I won't try to talk too much more about that. I'll let you talk more about it and then I'll move on to the next pre-show remark. I just kind of wanted to touch on it as, you know, more than I thought. Yeah, I'm the same way. I won't touch on it more either because we did talk about it on the last podcast. But with how they acknowledged it, I thought it was obviously they were going to do something there. Um, I was the same way as hearing them all kind of talk and seeing it. You could see it's uh, right away. Yeah, not the normal tone for GCW that we kind of have. I think Nick Gage tried to do that while also like he kind of like was towing the line of trying to be respectful, but I think also to try to get the fans into it. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. we all are grieving. We all like, we all know this sucks, but we are GCW. We're all going to do whatever we can to kind of honor Jay and put on a crazy show. And that's what you guys, you guys, you fans paid for. Um, right. We're still going to do that. And so I think that's when he still did his MDK and all that stuff. So I think he, it was, he had to play a tough spot there. And I think he did it as well as Nick Gage could have. Well, anybody could have. Absolutely. Uh, that's a tough spot to be in. But I did kind of like how they did honor him. But they did also have um, Nick out there. Because as he did wrestle against um, uh, Jay and uh, Jay and Mark at the Hammerstein show, he kind of does have, as he said, a little bit more experience around him than some of these other wrestlers do in GCW. But I just think it was a nice, quick, easy way, not easy way, like, but a quick, the quickest way to kind of do it. As you said, while not totally killing the crowd, but also being respectful because this was a couple days afterwards as well. So a lot of what they, I think the talent wanted to say, they kind of did on social media and stuff. So we didn't have to kind of totally not, I don't, want this to sound bad like not drag it out but i think what they did the timing wise was perfect of it and then as nick gage and as you said just try to get the crowd back into it a little bit so that way the show is a little bit uh more of a uh, in honor of jay um to get the crowd back into it. i think i would have picked a little bit di- a little bit different match as well because as <laughs> i don't want to steal one of your points here but like kind of nick wayne's age and experience that's a kind of tough spot to put him in as well as a young kid absolutely uh, to kind of follow a 
tribute to a fallen wrestler. Um, it's a that's a tough spot for anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a better word. So I mean, that's where I'm going. Hmm. You know, maybe that's where they really should have pulled that punch. Match number nine, that SGC four way. I think. And, Again, uh, someone else's toys. Like I'm, you know, I'm playing with someone else's toys. I was just thinking about that. Nick Wayne and Ares were absolutely entertaining. I'm just saying the crowd was just so because it really hit home for a lot of fans. There's a lot of re- if you're a GCW fan, you're a fucking wrestling fan. You're not just a fan of that Roman Reigns, or you're not just a fan of well, you know, no, you're really a wrestling fan because you're watching that variety and enjoying it. Yep. So. The other thing I'll go on, because I'll just kind of move on here for a second. There was something I really enjoyed here. The walls were yellow in this building, so it makes the lighting go slightly yellow. And if you have ever watched any independent wrestling from the 90s and early 2000s, you would know that on the VHS tapes and a lot of the old lighting in gyms were this dingy yellow color. And you'd see a lot of this dingy yellow color show up on tapes old um independent shows did not I don't know, know. i don't know yeah, i didn't get that just... i never i didn't get into independent wrestling till uh couple till gcw a couple years ago and i never had to do any of the tape trading or whatever like mm-hmm. i just watched youtube or iwtv or fight tv now and right. stuff like that so i have yeah. to go back and kind of watch some and see if it kind of Notice if I noticed that <laughs> yellow hue on uh some old youtube videos i thought you brought me in for my looks I wondered why I haven't had, I haven't been asked for pictures. So uh, there was also something I wanted to mention here, and this is a Southern thing. And down South, it's old fashioned wrestling. It's a very family oriented show still. And it's also very interactive when it comes to the wrestlers talking with the crowd, which all of those things I'm a big fan of. Of course, I'm older. So I'm going to kind of want those things. But one thing I noticed in this show at GCW was that there are a lot of females in the crowd, like a lot more than usual. And I thought it was fantastic because that let me know that people were coming either with dates or with families or were married. And that lets me know that GCW is not just in that one niche of fans, but they are now branching out and they're bringing other, you know, other elements in there. That's part of the variety. That's part of the whole GCW package. So I just wanted to mention that for a short amount of time, which, you know, me a short amount of time was a minute or two. I noticed that too. Like not just like the whole, the females and stuff, but I saw like, as you said, kids and like older, older fans too. And like, I went back and watched, um, one of the other, uh, um, one of the other shows I think they did in North Carolina or or somewhere close and that kind of similar, um, clientele and like how the wrestling is is uh, in the south and stuff like that and now i notice it that too is like oh yeah there are a lot more kids and a lot more uh ladies and a lot more older men and younger kids and stuff so it is like it's something i didn't think about and once you kind of said that, i'm like oh okay i didn't know it was just part of like just that general area of what the fans normally do um when wrestling comes into town yeah you're talking tennessee you go all the way across there. You're looking at North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, all the way true. through Florida, Alabama, Kentucky, you name it all through that area. It's very rich with, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but just this rich Southern gritty style of wrestling. It hits home. Um, George South is a good example. He gets on that microphone. He tears into you. He tells you don't like you, but behind the scenes, he's more than willing to tell you about Jesus and pray with you. It's totally Southern. 
Like that's just how it is down there. And it's fantastic to watch because down there, kayfabe is still 20% more real than it is on the coasts. And being able to sink into the story, like sinking into a good movie is satisfying. Spot on. <laughs> I, was say, like, I don't know the Midwest too much, but like, I like Midwest gets it. into it, man. Yeah. They get into it because, uh, and I'm one of them. So I can say this, a lot of us out there, man, they don't have money. It's a lot of farmers, a lot of blue collar people, truck drivers, welders. That's what you're doing for a living. If you're not doing some kind of a white collar job, like a banker sitting at a desk somewhere, it's just it's just incredible. So, yeah, especially in places where there's a lot of poor people, man, they really appreciate it. So, I mean, especially at four ninety nine a month, you should be pulling in more people because the cost is so much less than it was before. It's so much easier on the budget for everyone. Sound like you were we sound like who, a commercial tonight. I must say you sound like you were on the one who wrote that Cole Radrick promo before his match against uh, Nick Gage. I like it. Well, just give me give me give me some credit here because tonight I'm trying not to breathe as much into the microphone. I've been trying to like so it's given me some weird spots in my in my sentences, but you know, so be it. Is that a subtle shot at my breathing into the mic constantly? No, this is my this is my broad shot into my fucking breathing because I'm still like trying to get that under control. We're gonna have we're gonna anyway. have a wolf heel turn tonight, huh? <laughs> yeah, it can happen at any time, let me tell you. I'm just waiting for that coyote to start howling. Nah, man. You know what? I'm I'm being I'm being a good boy. I'm really happy. Like I said, I had I think at some point you and I will have to go look for 15 minutes. We're going to talk about all the stuff we had grievances about and then how happy we are that they fixed everything like we kind of did tonight. But yeah. put it all in one little chunk and then tell people, hey, anybody that ever thought about anything negative we ever said, we're putting in this little area and we're correcting ourselves if we feel that we need to or whatnot. And Leave it at that because I mean we're like ninety nine point eight percent positive with everything we say. Yeah, and we're growing so, as fans. Like, is some things bother us now? Then we just, as you said, we think about it. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense, and we figure it out pretty quick of uh, what we complain about. Well, it's like storylines. I mean, we might complain about being in the middle of chapter eleven, but you know, by chapter eighteen, we go, oh, that's what they were thinking, and that issue in chapter eleven made perfect sense. We just didn't have the vision to keep waiting and watching. As that, <laughs> you're I'm on, on it you're tonight, on I guess. One. Yeah, no, you got some good ones. I like, I don't even know how to follow up. That's good. That's okay. That's I'll, okay. I'll I'll follow up with the first match of the night. No, that was it. I'm I'm full of sugar. I think from from dinner. I think that's what it is. It's, you're full of education yeah. right now. You're teaching me a lot of stuff that I did not know about. Yeah, I'll take it, man. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, I don't want to complain about anything or take away from anything. I was just saying the. Last match of the night, the next to last match of the night was that four way with SGC, which was absolutely exciting. And then we went straight into the main event, which was absolutely exciting. I think that if we tore those two apart, it would have maybe allowed some space somewhere. I would have even put Nick Wayne and Ares up in that upper atmosphere around match eight or nine. Anyway. Yeah, and you can never know how the crowd's going to react to with a situation like this. So it's kind of whatever you have planned, just kind of go with it. So. Like I, I, I think that's kind of what happened here. Cause I didn't know how what they would, what GCW would do, um, like in honor of Jay Briscoe at the, uh, as it was going into the show. I thought for sure, like I thought what they did was what they were gonna do, but 
I just didn't know if they had like a bigger video package and stuff like that. And we kind of see that like the next night. And so I think the next night they should. I like the video package. Yeah. So I think it was a good tribute and it was from the heart. They really had their best interest. I mean, they really had their best in mind. You know, let's get our best video. Let's get everything together. They did a good job. So our first matchup of the evening is Nick Wayne versus Arez. And I was excited for this match just to see uh, after Arez's uh, match with Cole and how much he showed in a singles capacity in that match. And going against a talent like Nick Wayne, I think they have similar move styles, but then I think they also vary with Nick Wayne being a little bit more high flying and Arez being a little bit more flashy, especially with the technical game that we haven't seen too much of. Um I was just looking to see how these two would gel and interact with each other. And right away, they looked amazing, like just working together. And Arez looks just so comfortable as a single, like single. Like I said, I haven't seen too much of him singles. It's mostly scrambles. But in the few matches I've seen of him in these singles, it's he looks like he needs that space, as you said before. That was such a each time I see Arez, it's such a great point you made of how much. He just needs that time and space to kind of let mm-hmm. everything happen and do his moves and keep the pace of the match in a singles way instead of just coming in spurts during a scramble. And I love it watching Arez in the singles match. And this match was, as you said, not too – the crowd wasn't too behind it because they just got done with a sad eul- – not eulogy, but sad tribute to a, a fallen wrestler. So I think what this match – if this match was in a normal crowd, I think this would be an awesome opener to get the crowd behind them and have right. the energy. But just based off the situation, it's not nothing on these two competitors. It's not like they had a bad match. Just the energy wasn't there. But I think wasn't there general, as much. Yeah, I wanted to say that because, yeah, there was still clapping and cheering and yelling and stuff. It's just it felt like the crowd was 30 percent lower than normal. And let's be honest, after a funeral, do you want to ride a roller coaster? It's not always easy. So, yeah, th- I I look at it that way. So that's uh, that that's perfect way to describe this match. You're on fire tonight with your <laughs> with your sayings here. Man. I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm out of them now. So that was oh, that was the end of it. I no, no, no. your episode 45. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So the first two minutes of this match was a lot of athletic stuff. It was really Nick Wayne and Rs back and forth. A lot of. Um, a lot of reversals. It was very strike heavy. I was starting to notice right from the beginning that Ares did not take it easy on Nick Wayne at all. And I really love to see that. The other thing I wanted to notice in the, uh, that I kind of noticed in this one was that the maturity of Nick Wayne was starting to show. I wasn't just looking at him like some kid that was wrestling. He wasn't getting those child pity points out of me anymore. I was looking at him as a full performer knowing that he's capable of going out there and handling himself against someone like RS. So I looked at it that way. Um, Wayne was getting beat up a lot, man. And RS was mostly in control. I'd say what 70% of this match. What do you think? Uh, a lot of it. And I liked how he had the way he had the control with the, the technical hold, holds that he does and how flat, how he kind of gets into it and flashy in different ways. I, did, I liked it. Like a lot of people could think that's a boring style of just doing holds, but I think the way he did it was very entertaining. And yeah, he had a lot of control of Nick Wayne, which played along great. Of hey, I want to keep my opponent grounded. He's younger, faster than me, and I got to keep him grounded. I think it, mm-hmm. you know, Rez did a good job, but yeah, Rez controlled, and as you said, most of this match just because of I think how they kind of told the story in this match of 
Arez trying to keep the young kid down, which they did a fantastic job of telling that story during this match. And then what I was loving was Arez did that stomping back move where he just kind of goes up and just stomps, 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 stomps. Yep. And him working with the ropes is absolutely incredible. It's obvious that he's worked a long time on being so different and unique, and he obviously is. That's why I was kind of moved about trying to see if he can get a, a single spot because it's just like the undertaker put the undertaker in a scramble are you really seeing him like you would have seen i mean again undertakers now but in his peak yeah it's like putting undertaker in a rumble how effective was he really i mean a couple eliminations and then he kind of sinks in with the rest of the group and it's just not the same so that singles match really did bring out some things in him that we already had seen flashes of during the scrambles but he just he did such a fantastic job on the stage yeah, and I see stuck. I, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't have the sound on. I don't know if they ever gave this a name yet, or if I just haven't caught it. But like, whenever he does the the whatever <laughs> arm hold that grabs into a leg that twists your arm around oh, yeah. the ropes, like the, whenever he does that move, like I pop for that move. That's one of my favorite moves watching because he just does it so smooth, and it's like uh, like just whirling around the body. It's like kind of like a tornado going like a little Tasmanian devil running around you. Yeah. What the hell? Next thing you know, like you're stuck (laughs) and Nick Wayne's facial expressions and the way he sold uh, that, that uh, spot, like the way he was just like, help, help. Like Mac (laughs) happens, like literally bowl his way in there. Like I thought that was great. And it made it, made that move look a lot more effective than what it normally would have. So about three quarters of the way through here, I'm starting to realize both these guys are really putting on quality matches. And also, the other thing I noticed was only true wrestling nerds could really call this match. So great job, Emil. Everything was just so unique and different. And I mean, you hear him putting moves together in his head as he sees them because there's no other way to do it. RS is doing things. He's taking this and then he'll twist it. So they have to call it because it's from the top rope and avalanche twisting, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, damn. Uh, Emil has the depth to do that. So he did a damn good job. I wanted to make sure I'd mentioned that. And that's why I've always said, I think he belongs like whenever they have these Lucha matches on commentary, because his knowledge of the Lucha style and like the passion that he has for it comes out during his time when he is on commentary during the, these Lucha matches. And I, like I said, I great call by Emil and I love hearing him on these matches. It's just so interesting to have somebody so good at two different positions. They have to run back and forth from the ring to the booth to the ring to the booth. Yeah, and I always said that was going to be a tough part once he started doing this. Like, his voice is going to be shot, but we've seen them kind of interject occasional guest announcers and stuff, like as we see later on throughout the night. And I think that's super smart of getting new names out there to uh, do the commentary and and have the fans possibly fall in love with a new commentator. And it gives MLJ the break that he needs when he's not calling these crazy lucha matches and doing the introduction. So I do like everything they are doing in the commentary uh, these last few shows. And so there's something else here I wanted to mention just for a minute. Well, there's really two. Number one on the microphone, Gage was doing commentary. He mentioned that the East-West gets another match at some point. So I wanted to make sure that was mentioned here right now on our show too, because it's coming. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know if it's with the hate club because they said it was kind of a one night only thing. Yeah. That night. 
<laughs> so it's one night only that night so you know it'll it'll yeah, never say never exactly yeah, uh, so i was goes. about saying wrestling never say never um yeah i think dave prazak dude i have it in my notes later on during jordan's match he did a pretty not dave prazak i'm sorry mlj did a pretty cool callback on something that i've kind of griped about in the past with the title shots in here and there but it was kind of nice hearing gage kind of mentioned east west express possibly getting another match and then I don't know if you've seen it. Did you see the kids that were in that class in school? And it's like a wrestling appreciation kind of club. club. And the Wayne and Osprey match that they were watching. Did you see that one specifically? Yeah. Okay. I won't go on to it for too long, but there's a lot of cussing. There's a lot of violence. But if there was a chance to have kid friendly wrestler for the kids who do come, I don't know how, I don't know in what way again, like, He's not childish enough, but Doink the Clown was another one where he actually got over with the kids when he kind of maybe shouldn't have. And the other one I will say that I noticed that gets over with the kids when he may not want to, it depends on how his character is that night, is Funny Bone. One of the guys over here on the West Coast. Kids love to yell out Funny Bone, but at the same time, Funny Bone's character is mysterious and dark and there's mystique and dark and it's really interesting. Kids really love that stuff. And, um, I don't know. Well, I was going to mention it, man. The kids, the kids love Wayne and they love Osprey. And yeah, I've always wondered too, like with that whole wrestling club, like, does he have to have it on mute because of commentary because the kids, but they are older kids they are high school, I believe. So they are allowed to get away with a little bit more than normal. What having the kids watch stuff. Um, Possibly. But going back to your point on a kid-friendly wrestler for GCW, you a very similar one. You said Doink, and we've kind of talked about in the past, Psycho Clown. Like, yeah, you don't think oh, he wow. would be, yeah. but every time we've seen him, like especially like when they wrestled in Tennessee and stuff <laughs> like that, I think it was Tennessee or Houston, yeah. or whatever. He's always the kids always go to him, and he's always right there with the kids. And that's something uh-huh. with the name Psycho Clown and the way his masks look, like. Doesn't look like he would be kid friendly. He's a lot more menacing than Doink the Clown, but I think he also gets a lot more reception and love from the kids than Doink the Clown did because Doink the Clown also kind of looks like one of those old creeper kind of clowns that we know about nowadays. And Psycho Clown, he kind of just it has a scary mask, but then like I think kids love it. They they love the kind of the scary stuff nowadays at such a young well, age. Okay, so hear me out. We talked about this on one of the first episodes because I had heard it somewhere. I don't exactly know what show, what company. Hear me out. Kids commentary. I don't know if it's WWE. I don't know if it's AEW. But not the regular commentary we hear. Not Spanish announced. We're talking the opportunity for kids to tune into WWE and hear kids do the commentary. Or just whatever. It's like Spanish announced it. Yeah. I heard, I think it was John Wayne Murdoch's son on one time, and it was so damn cute to hear this kid, you know, like a guy'd get a light tube busted over his head and he'd be like, Oh, that hurt. And it out of a six-year-old's mouth, it's just comical, but it's still cute because it's a kid. I think one I independent know. promotion kind of did something similar recently. If I remember some, seeing something on Twitter, and I think it came from like the IWTV uh, mm-hmm. Twitter page because they were promoting a show that happened on there, a promotion that happened on um, their platform. But I think they did have like kids commentating or um, – I could be thinking of, I think out here in FSW with the kids class, they did do that one time, but like as a joke, it wasn't like broadcast on TV, but they did do have kids uh-huh. commentary. I do like that idea. Cause like when I watch some of these shows with my son who he knows wrestling, but he just doesn't know 
the ins and outs of it, like how we do. He just does it in class and he kind of sees what he does in class. But like hearing him kind of commentate on some of these matches is pretty funny hearing him. Especially like I love it. With Matt Cardona, he's like, why is everyone flipping him off? Is he an asshole? It's like, yes, son. Yes, he is. Like, that's so great. Watching I don't that. know. There's there's something cute about it. And I don't know. Maybe. See, yeah, that's that's really micromanaging it. And of course, but and every I think- now and then putting the kids on, uh, putting the kid on somewhere to talk with Emil or something would just be funny even nick gage i want to hear nick gage interact with a an eight-year-old watching gcw for one match match. (laughs) it can be one of his family members so that they agree to whatever he says (laughs) but just one match where you know i want to see the softer side of nick because you do see it every now and then and when you do it's so nice yeah you gotta that's not part of the image you know but when you see you see it with Tremont and a couple others. You know, when when you see the happy little smile crack through the mean face, it's always like sunlight coming through the dark cloud. You mm-hmm. know, or it's just like the face you get during the death match is completely different than the face you get at the merch table. Like, oh yeah, the happy versus the. <laughs> I have like a thing on Alex Rice. I don't want to go too far uh-huh. into it and break his uh, fourth wall here, but uh, after the backyard show my son wanted to go say hi to jordan again after he said hi to him pretty much all after his first match but uh <laughs> yeah so he saw jordan at the end like we're just he's like hey let me go tell jordan bye so he goes to tell jordan bye and jordan's on the trampoline at the, that that was on the show with nick wayne and alec price and no shit like as my son's walking up you just see like the little kid join alec price Jumping on a trampoline. They do what we do as what we did as teenagers jumping on a trampoline. They were having a wrestling match on the trampoline of like, hey, dude, like they were doing like a full on match on the trampoline. Just seeing the the little kid joy on Alex, uh, Alec Price's face. And then when my son came up, like he like totally was not the Alec Price garbage that he always is. He he like totally was shaking my son's hand. So, oh yeah, why don't you come up here with us? Like, you can try and invite him. I'm like, oh no, we're going to go. Like, we don't want to interrupt you guys' time. We know you're cooling down, but like seeing the little, the joy of like a little kid on a trampoline that I saw from Alec Price and like Nick Wayne too, because they were just, they were the ones mostly going at it. Jordan was just kind of like just jumping on and then he saw us. So he kind of got off, but that kind of goes back to watching like the wrestling club that those kids watching wrestling through a kid's eyes when they're seeing some of like that match, like specifically all the holy mm-hmm. shit moves. It's like that. That's what wrestling's about. Like that Vic, Victor, I think his name is Victor Perry. Um, uh, the teacher that does that. Like, I wrote to him when I first saw the wrestling club. I'm like, holy shit, this is such a brilliant idea and so awesome what you're doing for kids, bringing them into um fans, bringing wrestling kids into like that might have never watched wrestling before and to get to introduce wrestling to them at a young age and get them more into it. I think that's so awesome what he's doing. And it's so cool whenever he does post those videos. And I really like how he's getting more shout outs from bigger companies, wrestlers, and they're all wearing their gear and so showing support for his wrestling club. I really do think he's doing amazing work as an educator, just to show these kids the wrestling part. Not, I don't know what he thought we teach or what he teaches. I'm just saying to get these kids invested in introducing kids to a cool art form of wrestling and seeing how much that wrestling club has grown as it gets bigger, oh, yeah. and bigger and bigger. It's been very cool watching over these last couple months. And I'm not going to bullshit. I'll break my own fourth wall. You know, wrestling fans aren't always the cool kids in school. So it's nice for them to be able to have a place to sit down and do something they enjoy with others. And that may give them some friendships and brotherhoods that they might not have had without that club. 
and being accepted as a wrestling fan with other peers absolutely you're standing right there and and you're there you're a part of it but you're not the subject in the room so people who are a little less um outward might be able to go to these things sit in the back of the room and feel like they're participating without being looked at the whole time i think it's fantastic I, i think it really does fill in a lot of holes in places and wrestling could use this shot of youth that we're just not getting as much of today. And I think if they keep Nick Wayne going as much as like he is, like I think he because of his young age, I think he will connect to a lot of younger wrestling yep. fans, but also maybe non-fans. Like, hold on, I'm 16 and he's well, he's closer to 18 now if he's not already 18, but he's already like that age. He's we're so close in age. He's doing those cool things. Like, why can't I do it? And boom, there you go. Now you got another fan or another possible future wrestler mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's only good of how they're building Nick Wayne, as you said, as a kid-friendly kind of a competitor wrestler, especially for GCW, as we there is not much, as you said, quote-unquote kid-friendly, but all the talent, when it is kind of time to, they do make it kid-friendly when it's needed. And that's what oh, absolutely. an awesome thing with GCW. Yeah, I've seen some of the meanest people over there be able to put on a smile when they need to. And I've seen many of them accidentally make a mistake with something and the minute it gets too close to someone they apologize they they break out of it for just a minute are you okay you know so on and so forth as someone who gives a shit would be and then they go right back into what they were doing and not a damn person minds yep all we care about is that person's okay and we're back to the action you know what i mean yep uh i'll announce the winner good old nick wayne was our winner with the clout cutter on ares um i love watching ares what a great find I don't know who really brought him across, you know, the the desk first, but whoever did, fantastic pick. He's becoming slowly one. I like. I want to stop what I'm doing and watching just because how he moves in the ring and the innovative move sets. Like there's three moves he did here. Like like he did one like float over DDT, which was like insane. Like <laughs> like not, sorry, float over butterfly pile driver not a ddt i'm thinking of the rocks ddt the float over like he did like a float over caught him in a butterfly and did a butterfly driver and i loved watching that like and he's just so innovative with his moves Mm -hmm. i want to watch him now all the time and i there's a lot of fun matchups i want to see him keep on going as a singles competitor in gcw yep he's just one that he comes out and i go okay i'm gonna be entertained i know i can watch i know i do not have to pick up something else and you know i don't have to fuck with my phone for the next 10 minutes cool you know, because every now and then you're like, okay, let me go check whatever, you know. There's no lull in the RS matches. It just seems like it's go, go, go. And if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss something different and unique. So it keeps you watching for that reason alone. Yeah. I did like how in the end, of course, happy endings, both men hug, they shook hands. And that's kind of how the whole thing ended. I just want to kind of go back on something and just say, again, I look at Nick Wayne as a kid at times. But at the same time, his wrestling matches are making me forget his age. He's now wrestling with a form of maturity there that I didn't see even a year ago. So it's nice to see that growth take place. And he's on to bigger and better things down the road. So I'm looking forward to it. I read that note that you had and I said, like, yeah, that is exactly that's perfectly how I feel with it, too. Watching him, it's like when you first see him, yeah, he looks young, but then that match starts and he just goes. He, you don't, you couldn't tell how you don't think of it. If you didn't know his age, you just watched his match, you would say maybe early 20s because early you know, 20s. How fluid he is and stuff like that. But in the ring, yeah, he's way older in like his like 
he's in maturity in the ring is way more than actually his years <laughs> on this earth. Cause I think because of how much he's been in wrestling and how much he's grown and been around it, he just, it just clicks clicks for him and he just makes everything look so smooth. Doesn't matter what age you are. I think, I think he's performing at such a level. It's been fantastic to see, not just comparing him to a kid, but as you said, you forget how old he is and you think he's a grown man in there wrestling with these other grown men. And it's so awesome to see how so awesome to think about what his future holds just because of what he's shown at this young of age. And the other thing is, is that the benefit of him being at GCW right now, is the variety of wrestling styles he's able to sharpen his blade on. It's just Lucha this one, and then next show it's going to be a scramble. And next show it's going to be a one-on-one against this guy. And then next week it's going to be against a veteran somewhere that's a local, and, and so on and so forth. And it's total variety. Now he's learning about tag team matches. I think we spoke about this in the first couple of times that you and I had had our reviews. But when it comes to Nick Wayne... One of the things that's a benefit of a tag team match is that Nick can actually stand on the outside and read and start to learn about the crowd and and take a temperature, learn how to take temperature and really understand what understand what the crowd loves and doesn't love. Because at that time, he is fortunate enough to be a watcher of the referee, the performers and also the fans. So this is giving him a very full education across the board when it comes to um, being raised in wrestling, I mean, he's been given a fantastic shot at knowing what he likes by this point. And even um, though he's in, not in the ring wrestling during those times, the experience that he's gaining, as you said, from reading reading the fans, learning how to pace the match, pace yourself, pace the moves, mm-hmm. tell a story, do the give and take with the fans. You want to get them on edge, then you want to get them to pop for you and stuff like that. Um Back in, like, I remember growing up when I was watching wrestling, every time I saw a tag team, they were always young competitors just because of that fact of, hey, they're getting into this business. They're still rookies and throw the throw them in a tag team match and they're getting the same experience without taking as many bumps and giving them as many chances to possibly fail or botch something because they're still inexperienced, but they could get experience while watching on the ringside. And I think that's something that's kind of fallen off from tag team wrestling uh, nowadays, when I watch like the bigger company wrestlers, because they're all like now either been tagging for years or they're kind of more veteran wrestlers where Jordan and Nick, it's so cool seeing them at a young age. I, I go to um, the the Bang Brothers, too. Like they look so young where I, they, they probably got that experience working as a tag team for all these years. And you see how fluid and smooth they are now because of that time working together as a tag team and learning while not in the ring, but on the on the apron beating off the fans and reading the fans and stuff like that. That's like a big skill that I know that takes a lot of uh, time in wrestling is to how to connect with the fans in the ring and stuff like that. And it's kind of nice, as you said, Nick Wayne's getting all this experience with all these different styles and tag team wrestling is one of them. And it's, it's only positive for Nick Wayne as he moves forward with his future in wrestling. So when it comes to tag team wrestling, it's kind of funny you mentioned this. It was in my notes for later. So I'll erase them down the road here. Um, Tag team wrestling has the ability to do something singles wrestling can't, and that's to be able to do tag team moves, which when you have another person with you to work with can really create some interesting combinations and some real exciting ones too. I had watched later on in this ugly ducklings match with Los Macisos, an incredible amount of team moves. And 
it made them unique, different, and a hell of a lot more exciting because the only place I can see those is if I watch them specifically. And so that draws me and my money back to them because I know when they show up, they're going to do that fucking thing that I love to watch that looks like he's killing him, but every time he does it and it looks fantastic. So yeah, that's what I have to say about that. So, um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to say basically that both Los Macisos and the Ugly Ducklings do take advantage of that benefit that tag teams have, and it makes their matches much more exciting because they do that. Yep, absolutely. That's why I love that when Nick and Jordan tag team, because it seems like every match they're adding in a new tag team uh, move that we've never seen. I don't, I we always mention them. Yeah, every every day. Oh, they did this move. That's something brand new. And that's what, as you said, a fun part of watching tag team wrestling, because that's the only time you'll be able to see that move is when that team is performing it in a tag match. Yeah, you're not going to see the Rock pull some of that shit off, but you can <laughs> see the Bang Bros pull some of theirs. So you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're going to be able to see physically things happen that you would not see in a standard singles. And gosh, it could be so damn exciting. And some of these tag teams do such a good job coming up with unique movesets. For our second matchup of the evening, we have Mr. No Heart. I mean, uh, I don't know what heart he is now. I'm, I'm going to say No Heart. heart. No heart, huh? Just, just not grave heart. Just don't let's not go back to that. I think, like I said, I had the sound Dark off. Heart. Yeah, I think I think it was no heart. I think is what I heard from the last show. This show, I didn't hear any entrances. Um, uh, Blake Christian goes against R or not R, but a high flying giant, <laughs> Andrew Everett. And it is nice seeing Andrew back in. I think the last couple times I've seen him. Uh, more than I have the first couple times I saw him in GCW. These last two times, he's finding his groove. He's not finding himself in the ring and his character and his moveset. Where I, uh, the first couple matches, you can see he was trying to find himself. I think now I've been really enjoying his uh, matches that he's been having in GCW with him kind of telling the whole giant, giant gimmick and giant character um, with him not really being a giant in height, but a giant in heart, I guess. I think I heard him say that one time. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not in giants inside that. I play the giant at heart. But this was a fun match. This was a good uh, stylistic matchup for Andrew Everett, I think. And Blake Christian's just continuing. I love this, love this Blake character. Just the evil. I'm not going to give you fans anything to cheer for, pleasure. I know how good I am. I don't need to show you. And this matchup with uh, Andrew Everett, once again, he got to tell that story. And... Andrew got to pop off as well. I'd like to uh, some of the high flying moves that he did during this match um, to kind of show that he, hey, you're not the only one that could fly around here. Blake, a giant could fly too, and a giant can yes. fly too. It was fine. It was a fun <laughs> match. I like that. Um, yeah, Blake is out in all dark gear. Another I thing liked I it. Yep, he's gone emo. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to say it like that. He's I really getting, do. I love it. He's getting ready for emo fight at the collective. That could be it. He's just wanting to try out, stretch out the new leather jacket, make sure that it fits him so that he's comfortable during that show. Um, Everett had great energy. I wanted to mention that he's always smiling. He always has a, a kind of a TV face to him where he, he's always happy. Even when he's getting his ass beat, he looks like he can crack a smile for you. That's that's a McDonald's commercial ready smile right there. Everett was really athletic and agile in this match, especially for a giant. I <laughs> I can tell you right now, I never seen the big show move like that. And I never seen Andre come off the top rope like he did. But um, yeah, Blake was pulling heel shit and it works. It I, I still stand by what I said. It won't be his words. It'll be in his actions. 
You've been spot on with that prediction. You have been spot on. It's been his actions that have made me enjoy his character more than his words that he was, that he speaks. Mm -hmm. Like all his heel heat is coming from his actions. And you called that right away. Once we first saw him kind of do this full turn and you've been spot on with it. Cause that's when the heel really clicks in and he gets the heat, especially at the end of his matches with his actions. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead just for a moment. There is a point where Blake will cover Everett for two. It's about 80% of the way in. And he gets up for a second and he looks frustrated. I would love to see Blake Christian have an extra gear that's shitty and pissy. And it only comes out towards the end of the matches. And usually that means the match is over and Blake wins. Or that means Blake has lost his shit. And if you can just go through that storm, you're going to wrap him up in the end. I just, I think people will enjoy watching Blake get upset and lose his shit only if it looks real. Because again, he's not an actor. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just when he tells you he's mad about something, you can look at him and go, he's not mad about that. He's such a nice guy. And it just is what it is. So that's why I said it's going to be actions because if we go by his words, his words aren't going to work. Um, he is really good at taking up time, but I've noticed the less time he takes up, the more what he does with the crowd has impact. He'll just turn to him real quick, suck it, and then move on, which is kind of nice. It's something cool to see. But if he goes over, walks the crowd, stands in front of the ropes for four seconds, goes suck it, and then stands and stares at him for six more seconds, that's a big time waster. It makes no fucking sense. Whatever he's done as a heel, this match is definitely a step up from the last couple matches we've seen. He's sharpening his heel stick, and it looks really good. And Sorry, at, that was a lot of talking. No, and as <laughs> you said, um, I do like uh, you said it, when he wants to flip it into another gear. That could be when it's time to show his awesome move set that he would probably use more yep. as a face and as a heel. That's where it's time to like, okay. Obviously, like can't finish you. Time to get into my bag of tricks that I have, but you don't need to see it all the time, fans. And that's why you're going to another reason you're going to boo me is I'm not going to give you what you want. And I think, as you said, his authentic authenticity with this character, it plays off where like I actually believe where he's like, I'm way better than any of these wrestlers out here. Yet you want to boo me, then fine. I'm not going to give you the full Blake Christian. I'm just going to give you whatever I want to give you and you guys can't do nothing about it because that's how good I am in the ring and I don't need you guys no more. And I like it authentically feels like he's he's actually turned on the fans more than he's like turned his character. He's like tired of being with tired of playing to the fans just to be booed like incessantly as he was in New Jersey. And I like you said, because it's authentic and to me, mm-hmm. that's how it's playing out with. I think that's why I'm loving this character so much because it is all, all believable at all points whenever he's out there now. So this is the same thing with people that you don't want to speak who are heels but still get some type of heel heat. Done reading. He needs to maintain being disrespectful. Yeah, Twenty minutes. To and he me- he needs to maintain being silent on the way to the ring okay. and back from the ring, almost like he's too good to acknowledge them. And he's ignoring them. That amount of cockiness right there alone will make people dislike you. There are several wrestlers who just the way they walk to the ring will make you boo them. This is one of those things that he could do easily that I think will really help. Um, When it comes to that fifth gear or maybe even sixth gear, I don't know what to say because Blake does have a lot of freaking gears under that hood. I'm 
I'm just thinking, I just like to see him get mad, almost like, you know, Voltron fucking forms. All of his big <laughs> moves come out and he fucking boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, hits you. And, you know, if you survive it, you survive it. If you don't, you're fucking toast. I don't know. It's just another, it's just another thing. It's a mean streak. It would be cool to maybe see a mean streak. That would be another outward reaction. So, yeah. Yeah. You're, he was the antagonist. You're he was antagonizing the shit out of the fans, man. Yeah, as you said, like he's just acting above them, and I, I'm, lo- I'm loving it. He's been hitting whatever he's changed. As you said, it's the little wrinkles that he's adding every single night. We've seen him a little different wrinkle to make us hate him more, but in a good hate, not a go mm-hmm, away hate mm-hmm. that he had for a little bit. It seemed like yeah, he was getting you suck chance this time, and it wasn't go home heat. It was just them saying you suck. It wasn't a Cardona kind of love heat, but. They didn't want him to really leave the building. That's the kind of, you know, you suck that he was getting at this point. Over halfway in, and I realized that Blake had kind of slowed down a little so that this match with Everett was a little more even. But Everett was actually doing more athletic shit than Blake in the first half of this match, which I wouldn't have put money on happening. So I thought that was fantastic, too, because I think Everett is stepping up his game, like you were saying, and... He's he's just becoming better and better. And and I think this step up of pace to meet Blake halfway in the middle was really a good uh, a good choice for him. And it shows us a little more of what he's capable of. Yeah, I think this matchup was a little bit uh, more conducive for Andrew Everett to kind of do his thing than the previous couple of matches that he had for his, his first couple uh, shows in GCW. I don't think those matchups kind of lent made it easy for Andrew Everett to kind of get over with the crowd other than just his gimmick. So I do, I think Blake Christian was a perfect opponent, perfect timing, perfect heel for Andrew in this match. And as you said, it, it played off and it came out on screen like that to me, at least. So I also noticed that Everett plays up his injuries really well. I wanted to mention that because it's noticeable on screen. He did such a good job. I was questioning, is he really injured or not? And he may still have been slightly injured. I can't tell. And that's the beauty of his uh, of his job. Um, also, I just noticed these two were having a real match. They were given a good time to breathe. And I really appreciated that because I I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. The average match we're realizing is what, about 11 minutes, 10 minutes, 12 I, minutes? Maybe? My guess was like 10. Yeah. And they gave them over yeah. and they made the most of it. So, hell yeah, kudos to them for that. They they did a rocking ass job on this. I don't know. I just said rocking ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think it all came together and played out perfectly yep. for both of them. They Blake got his heat. Andrew got uh, the crowd behind him. He got to show off a little bit more. And I think he's definitely gained a lot more fans after this match, um, just based off his performance as well as Blake performances as well. And I, this match was sur- not surprised at all. It surprisingly was better than I originally thought it was going in. I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be a decent match, but I it actually was really good. I enjoyed every piece of it because it told a cool little story of adding on to Blake's heat. And I'm all for Blake getting all the heat right now in this no heart character. I'm just happy that Everett has more to him than I had previously seen. That's really exciting for him because he's young and he has a lot of upside on him left. Um, I also want to say that Blake could learn some heel tactics from Charles Mason. I'd like to see them to be together for just a small amount of time so that Blake could maybe pick up one or two of the hundred pointers that uh, Mason might be able to give him. And then lastly, this is, I think, where we're talking about actions. 
Keel Blake put a chair on Everett's head and then kicked the chair. Um, Everett was injured after this match. So, yeah, injured. So, <laughs> giant. I think it works, man. Maybe this is his new thing. Maybe he fucking tries to injure or injures every one of his opponents after the match if he wins. That would be a great thing. And now I'm just waiting to see who's going to be like his first kind of feud or storyline going forward of who's going to be the one that comes out and stops it. Um, I, I, mm. one of my eyes, mm. like, if they ever put like him and Blake or him and uh, Blake and Nick or Blake and Jordan in a match, I could see one of them coming out and kind of start a good storyline. I think that would also be a good way of getting even more heat on Blake, putting him in with somebody as Jordan getting uh, getting more over with the crowd and Nick Wayne just always over as a baby face with the crowd. I think facing somebody that's an established face like that to come out to make the save, I think will tell a great story and kind of kick kickstart this feud. And now, like I said, every time Blake does this, I'm waiting to see who comes out. And every time no one comes out, I'm a little disappointed, but then that just keeps me on edge for the next time and the next time and the next time. And that's what GCW wants. They want me to come back the next time and the next time and next time I'm right, watching. Right. So they're doing an awesome story with that. It's just like, I'm just chomping at the bit to see who finally does it. And I think it hopefully is going to come up here soon uh, with the collective coming up. And I kind of hope they kind of give Blake, maybe even Alec Price could be another cool little one that uh, he kind of fused with going into the collective as well. Okay. So my idea on that is that when I see someone that needs to get their ass kicked, one of my favorite types of people to hand down the ass whooping is a fucking veteran. Like a straight up veteran comes out like a dad with a belt and just straight kicks the shit out of that kid for being a cocky little motherfucker. I that's my favorite is like, I don't know who I'm just trying to say MJF acts up MJF acts up. Great. He's this. He's that whatever. And let's just say someone of Jake the Snake, that's kind of going on, but someone in Jake the Snake's realm comes out and he just whoops his ass with a belt. Like, boy, what the fuck do you think? <laughs> you know, really, you there's a place for someone like you and it's not up here with me. And you just beat the ego out of him. That's what I like. I like when I like when dad comes down from the hill and hands out the ass whooping. And I think I that, that'd be Maybe great. Maybe because I had a brother. <laughs> you see your brother get his ass Yeah, I love when my dad would come downstairs and whoop his ass. I, I love that idea, especially, well, not right now, just because I want to see him still right, keep on right. getting the heat, getting the stuff. But as you said, like, as it gets to a point, I'm like, who's going to be the one to finally stop this asshole? And as you said, a, a grizzly old veteran comes out. It's like, all right, we're done with this shit. I've seen this in my day kind of stuff. Like, we're yeah. done and you're not you're not going to be running the show no more. And I can see them telling a great story that way. Just not at the moment, but definitely in the future, kind of having a veteran to come out and kind of put him in his place yep. then. But not right now. Now I'd like to see this and keep getting the heat and keep getting that momentum to keep on furthering how much the crowds boo him and hate him. And I think that's what's helping his character out so much right now. And I don't know if we really said who the winner was. Did we? Uh, I think I jumped yeah. through it. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Our winner, Blake Christian, with the curb stomp of Andrew Everett's giant head into the mat. One, two, three. Good matchup. Like I said, surprisingly better than I thought it would be, and I think that's more right. on not Blake's. I think Blake could any match. He's always good. I think it's just more Andrew Everett getting the space and um, time to tell his story as a character and get his character and story over. And I think he definitely did a great job of that during this match. And Blake Christian did a great job of helping him achieve that. And another Andrew Everett, nice as fuck. Had a chance to talk to him. Another one. He is nice as fuck down to earth. 
And honestly, if you wouldn't know he's a wrestler, if he just had normal clothes on, you go, Oh, look at that guy. He works out that up. You wouldn't know he's a wrestler. And the way he talks is just so unassuming and lacking ego that it's really, it's really nice to talk to him. So all thumbs up from over here. And I'm so happy there is much more upside coming from Andrew Everett. And I'm really happy to see we have a uh, developing Blake Christian heel uh, character. I, I want to see him succeed, even if I have to boo him. <laughs> uh, that, that's what my whole gripe was. Like, he is so good in the ring, but what he was doing to try to get the heat was just wasn't working. And that was my whole gripe of the whole time I was yep, complaining. It's working about. now. And yeah, it's working now. And I'm like, I want to see Blake even more on my screen. Like, I'm all for it. He's always been so talented. And I'm glad now he's being able to show off a different side of his talent. For our third matchup of the evening... We have a non-title match as the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion Kerry Morton goes one-on-one with Jordan Oliver. And right away when Kerry comes out, I see the cast and I didn't know how he got hurt or when he got hurt. And the expectation for my match dropped immediately because I didn't know what was going on. But I did like uh, kind of how he could use it as a Bob Orton uh Foreign object in his matches. And Jordan looked really good during this match too. Dave Prezak made a comment of at this point in their careers, uh, Jordan's a little bit ahead of Kerry Morton, even though Kerry Morton's probably the more popular one because of name value and, and prestige, right. the name right. value and stuff like that. So um, yeah, this was a pretty good match considering um, what was going on with Kerry Morton. There wasn't like too much in-ring action, but I did like the old 80s, 90s style of uh, storytelling wrestling that they kind of did with this with not a lot of moves going on during the match. So I really liked that we were seeing the NWA come over to GCW. I was just happy to see that here comes another major organization that wants to bring some talent over. Maybe just do a little more talent sharing. I'd like to see somebody from GCW maybe show up on NWA. Again, this is where I would have put Tony Deppin in that spot, but I think Tony's busy right now. So I'm not really sure on that one. Um, a lot of these companies and performers now are starting to work together. And this is like, I don't, I don't know when it'll happen. I know we talked about consolidation at some point, but we really need to appreciate how much is out there right now because it's never been like this in such variety. Or if it has, it hasn't been as readily available to people from their couch as it was 50, 60 years ago during the territory days. Yeah. And I think like NWA is like the antithesis of GCW, like the total polar mm. opposites and they're working together. And yes. But not some good stuff with Kerry Morton. So I do kind of like the dynamic, even though it's an odd one. I do like how they've been kind of using it and sprinkling and Kerry Morton with the NWA, uh, heavyweight or junior heavyweight championship. So, um, yeah, it's been fun seeing him kind of defend it. As you said, it's been nice seeing the NWA title on GCW programming because mm-hmm. you like seeing the other titles in GCW, and I think it just adds more to the matches, even though this was a non-title match. You know, and between these two, you're looking at height, age, build, body build. I mean, these two are very similar. This matchup actually made a lot of sense, and I really didn't know how bad I wanted this matchup until I saw them two in the ring. T- them two until I saw them both <laughs> in the ring together, and it just it looked fantastic. And with without the wrist problem, I think this would have been a fantastic matchup. And I'm gonna jump ahead just a bit, but I really do want to see this ran back, and I think you would agree with me there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 
once Kerry Martin kind of gets fully healthy, I don't know what that looked like a thumb injury. Uh, I definitely would like to see a healthy Kerry Martin have a more authentic wrestling match instead of like old 80s, 90s school uh, match that they had here. But I think they did a really good job considering the circumstances because I was actually pretty uh, enjoyed this match a lot and pretty invested in it because of the commentary as well. Right. And the openings were absolutely hilarious. We had Oliver coming out and you could see Allie behind the curtain doing Jordan's move. And that was hilarious. And then Carrie coming out to poison. I was growing up in the MTV generation and like 88, I think it was, you could find poison and some of these other big hair bands on MTV constantly. So it was really cool coming out to that song. Cause that's one of my favorite songs from poison. But yeah, I noticed that cast was on his wrist, but Carrie on the mic has this Southern style of catching heat. And I just absolutely love it. It's old school shit talking and it created this chant of shut the fuck up from the crowd. So that lets you know that it was kind of digging into the GCW, you know, fans. He really does have his dad's heat and shit talking style. And, and it just looks good. It's nice to hear. And there's a lot of drama in this before the match even started. I just wanted to kind of go back and say that because this this match wasn't about the physicality. There was just all this emotion and drama. And that's what a lot of this was probably, of course, because of the cast. And they still honored that match and still made it something. Yeah, he's been really good as a heel lately. Like when he was the first in a couple matches in GCW, I think he teamed up one time with his dad and like he was in some other scrambles as they face. I don't think it was as good like compared to this heel work, even though like I've only seen two, the last two matches of his in GCW, he's really kind of gone full on heel. I really like how he's dove into it as well and just accepted it and kind of kept it going and try to even get even more heat from the fans. And he's been a very, mm-hmm. doing a very good job being a heel. Oh yeah. Perfect heel in the making. I agree a hundred percent on that. So the opening minute and a half was both men attempting to make the crowd pop and it was just back and forth and it was fun. So it was a fun heel. I think that's what Kerry was primarily doing here. He was doing some insulting, but primarily he was playing along with the face. And of course, Jordan succeeds in making everybody pop a lot louder than uh, Kerry did. There was more talking than wrestling for the first four minutes. Of course, this is what we were talking about. About six minutes in, and Carrie throws Oliver to the outside, and chairs were in play just for a small amount of time because Oliver was knocked into some on the outside. But it was a very busy and interactive match because of the shit-talking. The drama was the struggle, not the wrestling. I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but I had it in my notes, and it just it struck me again. Those were the points really was this stuck out as unique because of that. And um, they still managed to do nine and a half minutes. This was not at Cardona's level, but this was Cardona esque style of being able to inject something else in the match because he doesn't have the ability to say, do this or that with his wrist or arm. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. This was a great kind of uh a uh, similar match that Jordan had with Cardona. And as we've seen the last, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, the last couple of Cardona matches all just been him on the stick, uh, just berating the fans and getting the heat that way and not focusing too much on the wrestling part. And uh, I think Harry did just as good a job as Cardona normally does as well uh, in this situation in this kind of role for this match. And uh, Jordan didn't really have to talk too much, but still care. The fans hated carry so much. Like Jordan still got more over than, uh, got more over without saying anything just because of carries 
mm-hmm. heel work on the on the microphone. And that, as you said, that guy. This was a match I didn't expect to see. Uh, I want to see in the cast, and I think it delivered for what it was. And I do want to see them run it back, both fully healthy and given a good another maybe like 10, 15 minute actual wrestling match without all the talking and um, antics before and during the match as well. Yeah, no shit. There was a lot of potential here in this one. I I really wanted to see more. The one thing I will tell you for sure, because he's young, they're both young, so we won't go too far into that. The combined age on them is way too young for me to even want to talk about close to my age. (laughs) But I do think that overall, Kerry's going to grow from this. Like That's a learning experience to go out there and do what he did in that ring. If somebody says, hey, uh, you got this going on with you, all right, see you back in 10 minutes. That's a lot of time. That's a hell of a lot of time. And I think he's earned a lot of trust of even when he's hurt, he could still show up on programming and still do segments and have it be pretty good and entertaining and get the crowd behind whoever is going against Kerry or if they just want all the heat on Kerry, he could just go out there for five minutes and still be present on TV and still get the crowd super against him. Yeah, and, and Jordan was a good dancing partner here. He made sure that Kerry didn't hopefully do any worse damage to that. Um, but overall, our winner ended up being Jordan Oliver. He blocked a punch with a chair and he did a quick roll up on Carrie. And of course, Carrie's running out of there going, I didn't lose. I didn't lose. I'll, I'll double back again. I think he's a perfect heel in the making and he's young enough to where he'll have 20 years to so to polish up. I can't wait to see how he's going to run his mouth, you know, in a decade or two from now. And he's just going to be a heat magnet. And he kind of had a point. It was funny when uh, he, was, he was crying about losing because uh, Max Recon kind of did a fast three count on purpose. <laughs> like him and Jordan both rolled out at the same time. Kerry threw his little fit in the ring. And I like how Prezak mentioned on commentary. He's like, yeah, it might have been a fast three count there, but no one would mind that other than Kerry Morton because we all wouldn't see Kerry. <laughs> I didn't like Trey Prezak seeing so much better, like not better, but I'm noticing a lot more of the good stuff that he's, probably been saying for the longest time and him and you're paying attention more that too yeah and him and double j are finally connecting and clicking too and getting a uh very good chemistry going and it's been fun hearing the commentary lately you know and i'm interested in what uh what emil's looking at doing because he's looking at doing a podcast of some sort so i'm curious what kind he's looking at he uh he announced it on twitter today so i'm wondering if he's going to do one of those deep dive kind of wrestling things where he picks a show from you know 93 and then runs it i asked him i haven't had a chance to hear any uh, hear anything yet and i'm like oh maybe he's doing the gcw and maybe he's doing this i have no idea yet i think he but, would be a great podcaster on the gcw patreon platform for the history of gcw since uh for, for sure. at least the shows he was at i know he did wasn't at the first couple shows at the beginning but i think he would be able to provide a lot of insight on like the history, the crowd, behind the scenes, and oh yeah, and just great uh, his own commentary of what he saw at these shows. I think that would be a great way to kind of bring back the history of GCW on the Patreon with uh, MLJ kind of leading the charge with that. Yeah, and I'll say with his depth, I think he's going to be on good on pretty much any podcast. I'll be honest with you. I mean, if he's just doing uh, jerking it with his jerky, I mean, I'd still kind of tune in just to see what he has to say because he's a fun guy. And like I said, you mix that fun with the fact that he has a good depth of knowledge there. Whatever podcast he's going to have, I think it's going to be fantastic. So um, best of luck to him because we know it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. yeah, Fingers crossed. 
And I still listen, like, whenever he jumps in people's, like, wrestling spaces and he's, like, a speaker, I always hop in because he does, like, he does have quite a bit of knowledge on wrestling. Like, he, <laughs> he has definitely watched a lot more wrestling than a lot more, uh, a lot of other people that I know. And whenever mm-hmm. he posts out, too, like, his uh, best professional wrestling matches, I watched this last week or month, and he puts, puts the list out. I always save it because me and him kind of have, like, a little similar style of wrestling that he enjoys and I enjoy. He enjoys the older stuff a little bit more than I do now, but still nice mm-hmm. to kind of go back and watch a different style of wrestling and especially stuff that I missed and everything. But I definitely, I didn't know about that podcast news. I definitely would like to ch- check him out, whatever he's going to do on the podcast. Yeah. It made me think for a second. I'm going, huh? I wonder, but then I went, well, you know, whatever he's going to do, he's he's going to do a damn good job at it, I'm sure. So hopefully he does something good with it. Just just don't kill the little guys. <laughs> We're out here. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. If he goes public, then it could be who knows what. But if he goes private, who knows, too? And under Patreon, he might do some really amazing things there, too, for for the uh, the paying people. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. Definitely going to check out whatever he decides to do with his podcast career. Hell yeah. For our fourth matchup of the evening, we have the Ratty Daddy Cole Radrick going against Mr. Champagne Marty Gardner. And I didn't know much of Marty Gardner's Champagne uh, until like a week before this show. I saw a Twitter um, post of him cutting like a little two minute promo at like a wrestling panel somewhere and wow, can he talk? And just off of that promo, I want to see more of him. He doesn't even have to wrestle, even though he did a way better job in this match than I expected just because of his age. And I didn't really know much about his uh, wrestling career just in general, but um, I could hear him talk nonstop. And I want to see him back in GCW just to, even to commentate a couple matches here and there. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll get into that real quick, just for fun. It would be really good to put him on commentary. He's really smooth. I think he'd be somebody that can go on there and he appears to have enough personality that I think that would carry him really well. He seems to have a really good personality. Yeah. I think you know, it kind well, of shines through. Oh yeah, for sure. I think and he's like, he's got like a good energy around him too. I think you compared uh-huh. him before uh, when we were talking was um, Jesse Ventura. And I thought that was like a good one because Jesse had quite a way of words as well. And, had the good, like, just fluid. Like, it was natural. Nothing was forced. It wasn't like a script on his hand and just going, like, just off yep. the top of his head and got this the good cadences and stuff. And I thought that was a really good call when you said that he looked like um, or sounded like uh, Jesse Ventura on the mic. And I definitely would like to see him kind of in a Jesse Ventura rule, just kind of, even yeah. if it's one or two matches, like I was, as we talked with Nick Gage, I, I would like to see him kind of do a little promo with Nick Gage as well. <laughs> just to kind of, MDK, cool. no, champagne. <laughs> well he's got he's got the straightforwardness and he's got the pointy finger that he's pointing the finger that's the ventura and then to me his words kind of roll like jimmy valiant like he's got that hey baby da, 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 da. so he's got that whole thing in there it's a nice little package uh he came out to some pd pablo i thought that was really cool to have some north carolina so i i was pretty sure he was the local at that point i i figured it out <laughs> also a little history here he was part of the Hardy crew before Jeff and Matt Hardy kind of popped off into the WWF in the 90s. Uh, if you look at what he was wearing, you can see the influence in the clothes. He has the pants, the bandana, and the shoes are a lot like what Jeff Hardy used to wear. Yeah, I didn't know he was part of uh, Omega. That was the, the Hardy Boys promotion yes. when they yeah. were like kind of in their backyard. I had no idea about that either. 
until I heard it on commentary. And that just added another little wrinkle where it's like, okay, he does have a pretty history, like a not a rich history, but at least has a pretty uh, deep history in the wrestling scene in North Carolina. So I was kind of glad once again of GCW providing this platform for either a local legend that never kind of made it or a legend that did make it, but hasn't had their mm-hmm. time in the spotlight in a while. I'd really love GCW for doing this for champagne because I yeah, two minute promo is all I needed. And I want to see him just on commentary somehow, some way, but Cole Radrick did a very good job too of with during this match of kind of um, working around, working around champagne and kind of letting him get all mm-hmm. his stuff in because this might have been Champagne's last, not hurrah, but bit last chance at a big time platform in GCW. And I'm kind of glad Cole Radrick let Mar- uh, Champagne do uh, pretty much everything he wanted in the ring. Oh, dude! Even on the microphone, Cole stood there and just kind of let him let him listen to you know, just kind of let him talk. Emil was on the ringside. He he was just smiling ear to ear, like he knew what was coming, and he was just enjoying someone standing there and just delivering like he did. Um, he knows what Sham is obviously about. There's very few left like Champagne available. So I would say it's a fantastic way for a performer to stick out. And I wish more did it. It's very fun. And if you end up getting something catchy, it sticks for life. So I think that's one of those things that's lost out there. There's not a lot of people that do it. You know, you have the DX thing and, you know, if you're not down with that, little things like that, they're catchy, man. They stick in your head 20 years later. And, you know, when you see them on a reunion show once every three weeks on Raw. But, uh, other, but otherwise, though, just fantastic verbal skills. It's like fucking syrup. It's just fantastic. He flows. Uh, no what ring bell. Saying again, first name Sham. Uh, last name first pain. name Sham. Last name Pain. Yeah, I like it. Thought that was some good shit. Right. So no ring bell. So refs, come on now. Got to get that together, bud. Also, I'm not getting too picky, but there was a point where he counted a one, and there was no shoulders on the ground. But you know, neither here nor there. Uh, you know, that's the heel in me right there. Oh, uh, th- no, 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 that <laughs> the, uh, the crowd was really split on who's the favorite. And I thought that was interesting because Ratty's generally always going to be your favorite, especially when you had a guy like Marty, who was primarily thrown around his ego. I think that's the best way to say that. But the first few minutes were more of an old school match. It was champagne style, no top rope moves, real exchanges of strikes. We were seeing holds, reverses. It was a real wrestling match you would have seen in, if I dated this, around 92, 94, somewhere in there. It just, that was the vibe. It was a good pace for Sham. It seemed like it really worked for him. And it worked enough to where Cole really wasn't getting any offense in Harley at all in the first half of this match. And it was really weird because I was also noticing that with champagne, his, it was like, he was an engine that needed to warm up. And once he warmed up, he was just a lot better. I don't know if it was just the muscles or I don't know if it was just the adrenaline, but the second half of that match delivered compared to that first half of the match. And it just felt like two different people. It was awesome. Yeah. I th- I was thinking the same thing uh, that maybe he got all warmed up in the back and then uh, that promo time kind of, <laughs> Made his muscles uh, cold and tight again. Blew the adrenaline. Yeah, exactly. That too, yeah. Because especially too, like, I don't know how much he wrestles and stuff, but I would assume most of his gimmick oh. was talking. So maybe he would be spending most of his time just sitting there talking and not uh, focusing on the ring work. So 
But I, if I could talk like that too, I'd be more focusing on talking, not wrestling either. Keep Hell my yeah. Body, keep my body nice and healthy and uh, not in, uh, injury free and just kind of collect my checks off my mouth. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody heard, but that was my dog, Lucy. Did you hear it bark? No, I didn't hear it. Oh, wow. There was a bark for a second. I was trying to just, yeah, the unofficial mascot just decided to bark at the Amazon guy. So she's a fan but, of champagne uh, as well. Oh, a huge fan of champagne. She was telling me afterwards, but I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, could have been the drugs. Yeah. Overall, Cole was in control maybe 20% of this match, but it happened to be the tail end of this match because uh, our winner ended up being Cole Radrick. In the end, you know, both men shake hands. Of course, it's like George South. He's a lovable bad guy or he's a good he's a bad guy with a good heart. I think that's the way to put it. It just that's who he came off like. And seeing Champagne as obviously a staple in North Carolina, I really was appreciated. I, no, I'm sorry. I really appreciate I was able to see him do his thing. I feel like I'm tired, too, tonight. But uh like all talkers, though, I really hope to hear him a couple times and then yell out what he's saying with him when he says it in the ring, you know, like MDK, you know, those kind of things really do stick and they can be really unique. And uh, I really would see I would like to see more wrestlers pick up on that. Yes, I am all for uh, champagne coming back in some shape or another. Um, I think he actually looked pretty good in the ring. Like he did like one. um from the outside, he rolled in, caught Cole Radrick, and turned it right into a pin. But it was like pretty smooth and like I had never seen like someone get into a pin that way. So we could, I could tell he still has some like creativity in his moves, and I'm glad he was still able to perform at probably not his highest level, but at least good enough where this match didn't look like uh he was in the ring with someone close to forty or close to fifty years old, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we were talking about before that he's pretty. He's kind of close to Matt and Jeff Hardy's age, which. Oh yeah, yeah, we're guessing. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him based off the look. He looks older, but he still moved like pretty good and just as well as Matt Hardy. I got kind of go off him because I could see a little slowdown with him in the ring lately, but not enough to where it's like, oh, okay, he doesn't need to be in the ring no more. I think. Champagne can still go, and I would like to kind of maybe see him team up with some other local legends to kind of go against uh, some brash, young, cocky GCW wrestlers one day and do like a little like three versus three match and kind of and just to yeah put them in their place, but also just to be able to hear Champagne or um, George South again and stuff like that would be fun to see. And I'm really hoping they bring back that Cole Radrick guy. He seems pretty cool. Yeah, I could yeah, I deal yeah. with the blood yeah, yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to I wanted to also mention him a little too just because you know we we talked about champagne a lot but that's because you know if like if they're all toys he was the new toy in the box so you know it was really cool to talk and, and analyze him a little because we've said a lot about Cole and and there's a lot to uh to Cole so hopefully there's more to him eventually with a nice little title run here yeah I'm still Soon. trying to see what they're going to do with him after losing the extreme title I would like to see him kind of especially with collective coming up to get in some sort of a storyline or feud for one of the cards going on during collective weekend for our fifth matchup of the evening it is a ta- uh, title match this time as the GCW tag team titles with Los Mesisos Ciclope and Medio Extremo defending the titles against the ugly ducklings of Lance Lude and Rob Killjoy. And nice to see the ugly ducklings back in mm-hmm. Um I know it's been, we've seen them a couple times since they returned from, I we forgot which one um, had the health scare 
and mm-hmm. and the or not the hell scared of the cancer and came back and um they looked good they looked like really good like they didn't miss a beat from uh, from the time off that they did have previously no and, not at all yeah and this match in los macizos this was like one of like oh i didn't think i needed to see it but wow it was good and the ugly ducklings definitely held their own and los macizos was of course pretty fantastic as always but i like how they a lot of the tag moves by both teams during this match was what stood out to me because uh we talked about the tag team moves of like the bang bros and stuff like that and how they do like their little mm-hmm. barrel spear spear i loved all the different variations of move that the ugly duck ducklings had during this match as well so i'm going to talk about this up front the ducklings came out quacking the crowd is quacking there's a huge appeal to kids here i may have spoken about this a little bit before but you need to get some rubber duckies you need to get some shirts made up there's some money to be had there because it's just it's too much damn fun and quack 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 is just so damn easy to do i think almost anybody from any language will figure out that they're saying quack but uh after that, the music hits. Los Macisos comes out to the ring to big cheers. I'm always happy to hear their music. It's one of my favorites. And so Los Macisos are coming down the ramp, and then they split. One goes one side of the ring, one goes to the other. And we didn't even really have a chance for the announcements to come out and um, you know, for Macisos to get in the ring. And before, boom, the Ducklings, one on each side, did a tope over the top rope and basically jumped down onto each of them. It was a purposely hot start by the ducklings. It was unexpected and I liked it a lot. Uh, I love the hot spots. I could always count when I first mm-hmm. started watching GCW every show. I could always expect a hot start to the match like this before uh, there's already action before the ring bell rings or uh, the proverbial one count where the crowd just pops as the one person's not ready right. to, uh, to take the loss and stuff. And I, I always like looking forward to those, moments in gcw because especially when done right i love like when mlj is like and eh, low smoke oh shit and gets out of the way and <laughs> like i love that stuff and this was a yeah a, kind of a good way to start the match too just get it all hot like just get all the hot start going and then the match did get uh turned up a little bit as well and that's where the tag team moves i, I could see los Racistos trying to keep up with some of the tag moves that they saw the ugly ducklings doing they did like very similar move, but would change like just a little, like the way they did the suplex or back body drop and stuff like that um, was very interesting to see Los Macistas kind of get creative on the spot. Wow. I, I also wanted to mention, I like the new black, green, purple kind of trunks that Los Macistas have had. Uh, that's my favorite green color. And there's also an alien on it. Those are two things my nerdy ass loves. So I had to mention that the ducklings I'm with you. They were really fluid in the ring and bo- it's funny both of us mentioned it but it was so obvious that anybody who was watching would see damn they're good together so chairs and doors were brought out early in the match they built this multi-level door bridge that was suspended by chairs there was a spot where lance Lude was eating a shit ton of chair shots and then he was put through that bridge of doors outside of the ring he took a shit ton of punishment uh towards the tail end of this match but our winners los macizos they maintain their titles. They are, they retain. Wow, man. They retain their titles. They hit a doomsday destroyer through a bunch of chairs on Rob Killjoy. This still, I mean, it did matter who won because there was a title, but it didn't matter who won because it was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting Los Macisos to win too, just because they're matched the next night going against East West Express. But uh, mm-hmm. earlier during Jordan's match, I did like how I think 
Prazak said something of, hopefully Jordan doesn't end up like Kerry Morton and hurt himself before the big tag team title match uh, coming up right. tomorrow. And then MLJ is like, oh, yeah, well, hold on. Like, they still got to get through the ugly ducklings tonight because we've seen That's in right. the past, kind of like how I've, or we both got, kind of said um, that when just because it, uh, title, the tag title match is announced doesn't mean it necessarily happened. Like, the tag match will happen, but if the champions lose, then it just now becomes a... Uh, no, t- uh, no title match, and um, that kind of scared me a little bit because it was right before this match. It was kind of like a little prelude. I'm like, uh, are they kind of saying something, or like the Ducklings might lose? Like, I ultimately thought it was, but that when MLJ said that, I was like, please not again. I thought maybe they turned this into like Jordan and Nick just always supposed to get these title shots, but then uh, never getting them. But luckily, Los Mesisos did pick up the victory. And uh, we're able to defend the tag title matches the next night against Jordan and Nick Wayne. Yeah, good call. Continuity matters on that. You know, just making sure that that stays in there gives it a little uh, a little touch of professionalism, too. So good call on Emil's part on that one. But also, this was the best I've seen the Ugly Ducklings and really everybody kicked ass in this match. Yep, I agree. That was a good ugly duckling yeah. match, and I was way more invested in this one than I was like the previous couple times I've seen them. But as I seen them, they've kind of grown on me more and more. And this was a match where they definitely grew on me and held their own, and definitely took an ass kicking as well. Yeah, oh. I'm learning now that. Oh, sorry. No, I was ahead. just gonna say that I'm I'm learning that when I see them on a card, I'm like, okay, for that time that they're on, I'll be entertained. You know yeah. what I mean? You look at the card and you go, ah, that one, yes, that one, oh, that one. They're one of the ones where I see they're on there somewhere. I'm like, okay, I got to check it out. I even like at the beginning of the match, as you said, they're for the kids. They went to the crowd and kind of did like the all hands in. And then they kind of felt like the Mighty Ducks with the quack, 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 yes. quack. So I absolutely love that part of it because I was a big uh, Mighty Ducks fan. Uh, when they need to talk to Disney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get, get that Disney, that <laughs> get that Mickey Mouse money. Can you imagine watching GCW on Disney Plus one day? That'd be fun. Uh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Never say never one big black square. <laughs> one big black square on the screen and just that's one continuous beep. <laughs> Welcome to GCP. Just see blur and beep everywhere. That'd be funny. <laughs> For our sixth matchup of the evening, it is a six-way scramble. As Axton Ray, Jimmy Lloyd, Marcus Mathers, Teriyaki, Yoya, and Zenshi were the six competitors. And once again, a big note for me is that Teriyaki, I'm a, getting to be a pretty big Teriyaki fan. I like whenever I get yeah. on GCW settlement series or just regular GCW cards. I uh, see improvement every time and I see the confidence in him kind of uh, keep on building as well. And we get to see new moves every time we see him. So um, I was happy to see him in this scramble. Axon Ray, always excited to see Jimmy Lloyd. Uh, we got his Jimmy Lloyd birthday bash coming up here in Vegas soon. Uh, I can't wait for that one. But the one competitor I didn't really know too much of was uh, Zenchi. And right, yeah. Uh, for a scramble, I was like, okay, that's fine. Add, add a name, one name in, I don't mind seeing be, or learning about that I don't know of because uh, the rest of these competitors, I know they could put on a great scramble match. And I think Zenshi kind of fit right in um, yes. with Yoya and Teriyaki and Axon Ray. And um, I like after seeing more Marcus Mathers and Axon Ray kind of go at it, that's another feud I would kind of like to see is uh, two, those two young kind of competitors as Axon Ray and uh, 
going against Marcus. Now, they could be a team too, but I would like to see them, mm-hmm. them have a kind of nice little series of matches. Okay, so I'm going to ask, maybe you've seen it, but it looks like Axton's putting on muscle. I'm wondering if he's going to go the Mercer route. I hope not. Not that, that big. big. I'm just exactly. saying the I'm tank. Gonna, yeah. Like during this the match, athletic tank. Yeah, especially as we were talking, like as we talk about scrambles, there's always like one super base person, and it's either Gringo mm-hmm. or, as you said, Shane Mercer. Uh, Axon Ray was definitely the one here. I know it's in your notes, but um, the Axon Ray was definitely that had that role in this match. I think he did a fantastic job on it, and I think that just goes to hit back to his creativity of working with some of the smaller competitors, even though they're not too much smaller than him. Not saying he's gigantic, but as you said, it looks like he's kind of getting rid of the quote-unquote baby fat and turn it into muscle, right. and he's looking good. But I just hope it doesn't get too big where it takes away from his agility because I think that's why I love Axon Ray so much is because he's a great mixture of power, strength, and the or power, strength, speed, agility, and the creativity just makes the total package for me in the ring. And that's why I always love watching him because you just never know what he's going to do or what new moves he's going to show us, show us. Yeah. We're still seeing him grow, which is really nice. Also what I like about him is I can see the heel in him and I can, I can also see the, the face possibility in him, which is really nice. Some, some of these characters, characters, some of these, uh, some of these gimmicks, I guess I don't have a better word for it that some people could put together are not very, you know, they go either way. Some of these are very one dimensional characters. So it's really nice to see him, be a person who has that ability to go one way or the other because you put that with his see i don't know have we really heard him much speaking than, outside of settlement series right that that's only with his ever heard of uh, right or heard yeah. for him talk was that one now i think with him and terry weren't they both like gems that were found in the settlement series um i think wrong maybe i saw accident ray i think the first time i saw him was in a gcw scramble in a okay okay um and that was nuts teriyaki i think the same way it was the first time i saw i think that's where they shine for sure because they were able to give scramble character oh yeah exactly so when they're gcw they're in the scrambles all the time but i think with the gcw settlements and the jcw they were able to kind of show off more of their character or or Mm -hmm. um uh, what's it called? Not their acting skills, but like their their talking skills, their mic skills, because they had to go on the mic and give a story on why who ate Axton's grandma sandwich or teriyaki with uh, I think he did karaoke <laughs> during one of the settlement series. So that, that was able, it was a good way to see a different side of these wrestlers, which I think they all need to develop that on the indies just in general because you don't get that much mic time. But I think that's that was a difference for me with the settlement series teriyaki and action ray than these scramble ones we get to see a little bit more um substance in the settlement series than we did during these scrambles because there's so many people but they still do good in their what there's their spots that they were put in during these scrambles that's why i've been enjoying teriyaki and action ray specifically in this scramble so then the other thing is that scrambles are perfect when it comes to some of these guys because they're still figuring out who they are in the ring or still figuring out their characters and with scrambles you can see what makes them popular or what really is the best of them. And then if they lack any depth character wise or whatnot, we don't have a chance to see that because we're looking at the next move coming from, you know, from this side or that side over there. Uh, Zenshi, late addition to the match. Nice use of color. I have never seen him before. I'm sure of it because he looked very unique and I like that. 
same thing teriyaki is back really nice to see him very entertaining he has a good look to him extremely young and a lot of upside um i can say it in the same sentence with marcus mathers solid performer i'm a huge fan and then yoya the cambodian dragon he was a little quiet in this match i was hoping to see a little more but that's perfectly fine because the spotlight was still all over the place during this one it was fun watching him get tossed around by Axon Ray. I was just like watching, like, yeah, Axon Ray just toss him up in the air and Yoda just kind of went in like full Superman pose and then <laughs> caught him into like a power slam. Uh, then she, yeah, then she, I did like seeing him during this match. He actually was really good. I would like to see mm-hmm. more of him as well. I think the his color on the outfit, his moveset was pretty uh eccentric as well, <laughs> just like his outfit. So I that's a character I would like to kind of see get uh not exposed, but kind of be fleshed out more in front of the GCW crowd and get to see more of him each time because he did like a top rope, like six one nine even. It's just like, whoa, mm-hmm. he's got he's got some hops and a, athletic ability, and I think he fit in perfectly with these competitors during this match. So I was also watching Axton and Terry. They look good against each other. I'd like to actually see a match go down. You saw that too. Yeah, yep. you're shaking your head too. We yeah. both noticed those two look really good up against each other. I really do feel Axon's pushed himself to another level. I really noticed that in this match. He was more athletic than usual. But that goes into my next point. I really would like to see Axton and Mercer tag team again. Yes, 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 and yes. I definitely would like to see uh, that. I said that day one. I was like, that is a tag team that we did not think about. And after one move, two moves, I was like, why did we not think of this tag team? Because they're... Like I always say with Shane Mercer, I think for his size, power, agility as well, um, he's pretty creative with his movesets. And that's why I like when him and KTB kind of uh used to team up all the time because just with their size and strength, they would they could do some agile stuff with the younger uh not younger, the smaller competitors. <laughs> and um the way they just tossed the smaller competitors around, like how Axon did to especially during Teriyaki and Yoda in this match, I could see Axon Ray Definitely fitting that role in with Shane Mercer. I I honestly think that'd be a great tag team. Just kind of start seeing all the time now. So instead of putting them in scrambles, just team them up, and you can still see what they got against Los Macisos, East West Express, SGC. Like I that there's a lot of match fresh matchups for those two if they're not going to be used on every card. Put them together as a tag team. So the other thing anyone's going to really notice about the notes here, at least on my side, is that I don't have a lot of the big spots or moves that went on. This scramble was all over the place and crazy. So I couldn't put a lot in there. It was seven and a half minutes. So you have to understand a scramble's worth of shit, which usually takes eight and a half, nine minutes sometimes, got condensed down to seven and a half minutes with six men in the ring. Um, I will go back on Zenshi just for a minute because that was my first time. I wrote down athletic and agile, fast, somewhat unorthodox fighting style. He was one of those ones that I'd seen, again, where he took some time to work on who he was and his move set and it shows in the ring and again that's what makes him unique the last point i wanted to mention was basically at the end of this match it was really exciting because everyone was hitting their big moves which basically went to the finish so our winner was our tank axton ray with i believe they called it a doctor bomb i think that i don't know like, yeah yeah so they called it that and i went okay maybe i heard it wrong maybe i heard it right so i wrote it down as such and that ending sequence, as you said, where they all just hit their shit in, like that was mm-hmm. fun. That was fun to watch that because there was some incredibly like dangerous but creative moves, and I loved 
all every bit of it because I like that was like that was just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I I want to see Zenshi kind of like maybe team up with Rocket. We haven't seen Rocket in a couple shows, but Rocket's another one I could kind of see kind of had a very uh, similar move set and uh, body body uh. Oh. Like look, like a good look. And mm-hmm. I think they, if you put kind of put them with matching clothes and stuff like that in their move sets, that'd be an incredible tag team to watch. But Zenshi was Zenshi was good. I like yeah. I never yeah. saw of him, but like he was incredible. Like I I loved it. Uh the one move I really love is Teriyaki's rebound DDT when he put he put um oh shit yes yeah he put yes. Zenshi up on the rope and then jumped up and like sat on the rope grabbed him and hit the DDT like that was awesome dude that was different for sure I really like that I, that's good you called that out too because we can't do a review on the match without that that was totally different yeah this was fun I th- I think these six actually there was one of the funner matches of the night even though it was only seven minutes i think uh there was just hot, such high pace throughout this whole match and i loved the scramble and i i don't want to see the same scramble but definitely like want to see all these competitors kind of go at it again because i like how they just fit each other's styles and moves whenever they did it especially during that ending the ending sequence was nuts to me <laughs> just watching i saw like a second rope Four or six thirty or was it? I forgot what he did. Then she like, yeah, the oh, second rope six thirty. It wasn't six thirty. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? You do a second rope yeah. six thirty? Like, I was just so blown away by the ending, and this was a fun, fun scramble. I had the same feeling when I first like first watched Teriyaki and the Atlanta scramble at Center Stadium. Yes, that was a fun one. I'm wondering if he's gonna be at Atlanta. I I really hope he is. I think so. Uh, him? Yeah. Uh, Bobby Flacco. I th- I'd like to see him again. He was kind of entertaining. Um, there's actually, see, off the top of my head, I can't just sit here and name locals from yeah. different areas, but those were two that stuck out that I know that we watched the local shows and it's like, damn, it's it's nice to see them on the bigger stage. Absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. For the seventh matchup of the evening, it is a tag team match as the team of Bussy, Ali Catch and Effie, Go against Charles Mason and Perro with Billy Dixon as the manager. And the matches keep on going. I thought they would kind of maybe stretch this out a little bit before um, the collective and Effie's big gay brunch. But I think they still got a lot more story they wanted to tell. And I don't I don't think they needed to add more to it other than mm-hmm. like explain how Billy other than what they did. Um, I thought it was kind of just perfectly set up just to have a blow off match at the collect at the collective, but I do like where they are still going with this storyline, expanding it. And especially after this match, we have more questions, which is good. Like, it's not just like, okay, we kind of get this whole point of the story. Let's end it. Like there's another question. So it's going to keep on going. And like, it's been, it's been a fun one. I, I thought it was done in LA. The insertion of Pero made it worth it. And then now with the, uh insertion of billy dixon it's just it's a good way to keep it going and keeping it fresh and i like how they are extending this storyline even further than i originally intended so if you have a chance go back and watch that mason entrance excuse me uh they have the presence like a presence to them when you see them enter it's really kind of cool like they have a menacing shadow to them and having all that bulk, I think, might be part of it. But Pero always has that stare. And maybe that's a part of it. But I looked at him. I went, damn, 
that looks like a team that could put down some damage. And if they kept those two together, there's a possible tag team there. And Mason could have just been the mouthy manager. He could have been the mastermind behind all kinds of shit. So, I Yeah, I think they still I, uh, can do a lot more stuff. I, I'm right there with you. They have a lot of stuff where Mason doesn't even need to be the wrestler. He, as you said, he could just be the mouthpiece. Nope. Let Billy and Pero kind of do the tag team work. But also, when Mason, let's say, gets a title shot or something, he could always have Pero and Dixon come in and kind of get the cheap-ass win that he probably would have wanted anyway. And now he's champion with tag champ. I, I definitely see a lot with that tag team. And I think it's been – Pero was so good of an addition. I think he has fit right in, and I'm glad to see him mm-hmm. uh, in this role with GCW because – I've seen Pero here and there before GCW. I'm like, I, his size is good. His uh, moves and matches have been okay. Not, nothing fantastic. But I think with this storyline, it's getting the best and most out of Pero. And I'm all, I've been loving Pero's run during this thing. And I'm hoping to kind of see the same thing with Billy Dixon, kind of getting him more exposure and giving him, uh, letting him do some more stuff with the, uh, Mason and uh, Pero and T- uh, team Bussy as well. Like I want to see m- what, Billy Dixon is going to provide with this storyline. Um, for me, I have been asking for Pero for a while, so I was really happy to see more Pero having a storyline with Pero with Charles Mason. I believe he lives on a on a dramatic depth that GCW is not at yet. You notice everything with him are big emotions, mm-hmm. big. Uh, big feelings, very deep. Everything's very deep hatred. You know, everything he does is deliberately as dark and as sinister as it can be. And I find that really interesting. And I hope that Mason finds a way to bring that out more. I don't know if it's with the use of colored lights or whatnot. And maybe it's just me just having fun again, playing with someone else's toys. Well, you know, I have no money for that, but <laughs> I really do appreciate what he's doing, and I just wanted to basically make the point that I see that the amount of depth that he is putting into his storylines, his character, and him staying in that character has been fantastic to watch. Yeah, when he was going after the kid, when he was going after uh, the uh, other kid, <laughs> there were two. Oh, I mean, I he was fucking one. with two kids. Yeah. And There's like, one on the way in and one on the way out, oh, yeah, or they the were both the at the in, same time. Yeah, I forgot the one on the way in, the, the kid with the glasses and the sign. But the way <laughs> he goes after these uh, fans, like, I'll get, like, a little... Like, it kind of reminds me of when Joey was going after fans for the longest time on the, on Twitter for a while. He just didn't give a shit no more and was just trying to ruffle everyone's feathers. I How he does that and... Mm-hmm. as you said stays in character while he's doing that but you also see like as soon as he's done interacting like <laughs> he's just got that super happy face like of gratitude like i'm so glad i did that to that little piece of shit kid like i'm well because <laughs> he gets off on some of this stuff and it's i i love his character like i i hate it yeah i hate it but i i, I love it it's so good and he's so good at it where i don't like even like when the dad was kind of going after him, like I get scared for him sometimes because oh, you just never know with these fans. And as much as he's in their faces saying that shit, like he's pretty uh, lucky so far. He hasn't got any fan running and attack him. Cause I think that's how much he, he has, which is yeah, he's excelling at his job. And I, it's, yep. it's good to see. Cause I, I enjoy this character. Um, I enjoy it a little bit more 
when he are with this p- combination of peril and Billy, because now he feels even more entitled to talk that shit and then back away, as you said, as the two giant shadows can kind of uh, walk in front of him and kind of take the not take the heat away, but take the physical heat away from uh, Charles Mason and the fans. So I, he did such a good job of, of playing to that as well. I just want to know why. That's one thing I want to know for sure is why is he up Effie's ass? Now, maybe it was said and it possibly was said while I was trying to watch this late at night, but I need a little more reinforcement. Maybe, you know, Effie, I told you I was going to get you in this match. Da, 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 uh, would be helpful. I think at this point, cause there's a lot going on with Mason. There's a lot of heat there. I just want to know what it is. That's got him so pissy. Maybe I missed a little bit. So, or a lot of it. <laughs> so I don't know. Like the, I know the how, why it started or how it started. Like he used Ali to kind of get to Effie, but I, yes, I don't remember. Yes. And but the awesome part is like we could probably go back on his Twitter and he has the video package because that's he's been doing what we asked, like extending the storyline and giving more, uh, giving the fans like as you said the in depth the the knowledge uh, the why the answer of why he's going after Effie. And he's been putting out videos. Pretty much before every match, I could count on seeing some sort of video from Charles Mason that plays along to this match and story, and I've been liking it. But I, I think I did miss the last two videos that he's done since he's gotten Billy. So um, I'm have to go back and watch that on Twitter to see exactly as you said, like find out the why, because he probably gave an answer on that one. But I just the last thing I just remember was him being happy to use Ali to get to Effie, but I just don't remember why he wanted right. to get to Effie. So the match started with Effie and Pero facing off for quite a while. Much of that time, Effie was trying to cut Pero down to size just sheerly because he's so huge. It was really hard to get him off of his feet. And Ali was really in for the first half of the match because of that. I'm happy to say that the tag rules were followed. I'm a big fan of that because, again, it adds that dimension to to the match but also it adds tension to the match anybody that's seen somebody they really love struggling to get to that corner to tag their partner understands what i'm talking about mason was fighting with ali on the outside more towards the second half of this match center into a row of chairs he was vicious mason is always vicious with women yep and i mean this in the way that he performs i like it because it blurs the line of truth reality and fake because i know that there's very little they're doing out there with they're working together and i think that someone like ali man he's worked on ali a couple times and she's taken it like a champ and i think it's fantastic and when she does that that little bit extra it it does man it makes us go oh that was a little that was a little rough and we kind of you know you kind of know it's built into your dna because even as big guys like we're always taught you know be be easy on people that are smaller than us like it's built into the dna so when you see somebody roughing up a lady it's it's kind of interesting but he's always done a really good job about blurring that line without making it look too and i like that because it gives us a little it's almost like believability i'm kind of the opposite where (laughs) i've said it before like sometimes i do get uncomfortable the way he's just beating the shit out of Charlie Evans or yes, or but Ali. is that the point? But exactly. That, that's where I'm yes. going to like, I get yes. comfortable, but that is absolutely the whole point. And once again, that shows yep. why he's excelling at his character. Like that's the reaction yeah. he's supposed to get and stuff. But yeah, it's somebody's one and it's good on like Ali and Charlie and whoever's selling for him. Yes. Too. 
because like it it gets me like emotionally invested. I'm like somebody fucked this guy up. Like like I used to get so mad watching Mason <laughs> and, and Charlie Evans matches. I'm like. Everett, why is your ass not out there no matter what? Like, I don't care that you're in the back and letting her do her own thing. Like, she's getting her ass whooped. Get out there. And, like, same thing with Effie with the uh, with Alley Catch. Like, get out there, Effie, and go save her. Like, I'm just – but it, that, that just <laughs> it's, shows it's how built in. he's doing. It's built in. Yeah, it, that's why I love him as a character, but I also fucking hate Charles Mason as a character. Yeah. Which means he's doing a fantastic job. And I love hate to see it. Uh, and I'll explain myself a little better so it makes more sense. What I'm saying is I'm defaulting to the fact that I trust the wrestlers doing what they want to do and what's best for them and their art. I'm saying their art, where they're pushing it, makes it look believable. And I like that. I've always liked when the wrestler does a little extra. I like when there's a little extra twist in the corkscrew. I like when there's a little extra 180 you know in in the spin those things are really cool to me so that's the way i want to say it so it makes a little more sense so it doesn't sound really bad i'm just saying for the art that they're putting out i really think it's awesome when they blur that line because that's what they're there to do and assuming and understanding and respecting that they're doing that because they want to i love it yeah there's my explanation my long explanation no it's it's what you said was right like yeah yeah i hate it but god damn it i love it too (laughs) Yeah, you, you kind of have to, and that's his whole job. So I, I love it. For me, I just think it's great when you're like, I hate that motherfucker. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> to me, it's like, yes. But of course, when he fucks up one of my favorite storylines, that's when I get bitter. That's when I I'm with you. Jordan there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it happens. <laughs> but okay, total heel move. Mason only came after um, pair or after um, Mason only came out after Effie after Pero kind of physically softened him up which was a total heel move. Yep. And there was a spot where Effie hit this nasty chair shot on peril. It's something that has to be seen because it's, it's strong. It's nineties style strong. And it looked really good. Eventually Bussy gets Mason in the ring and they just start beating the shit out of him. Peril then comes in, suplexes Effie from the second rope onto the floor through two different doors. That was a nasty ass spot. The last one here, Billy grabs a chair. Mason asks him to hit Allie with the chair. As they're running forward, Allie reverses Mason's like toss, and Billy hits Mason with the chair. Wrestling style. <laughs> and Mason falls to the ground. So what happens there is Mason falls to the ground, and we end up getting a quick roll-up with the bussy for the bussy win. I'm stumbling, I'm stumbling all over myself, man. This is crazy night tonight for me. <laughs> I thought I was really actually surprised that Bussy got the win right now. I thought they would kind of just keep that heat going for Mason and Perro, and then maybe Ali Catch and Effie could get the the final say in the in this storyline and get to pick up the victory. At um, I'm just assuming, none of, yeah, none of this has been announced. I just put, I've just been assuming since I saw it happen in L.A. Like I just always assumed that this story is going to end at the collective at Effie's big gay brunch, but. Um, it just after at the end of every match, something happens where it changes my thought. I'm like, when is this going to end? Where are they going with this? Who else is going to get involved? And that's been fun. Yeah, who's ass now? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Who are you going to go after now? Like, I'm always like with Mason. Like, hey, what female are you going to go after now to just beat the shit out of? Like, that's where I'm always right, going right. with him. And um, <laughs> one thing watching this match, I I I don't mean this in a in a bad way because I think a lot of people might take it a bad way. But Peril reminded me of you remember Zeus. Old Tiny Lister? 
Yeah. The way he moves in yeah. the ring and like the way he sells everything, I I just re- it reminded me of Zeus. That that stiff strong yep. man. Yes, but he's way better than Zeus. Yeah, a million times better. Yeah. Than oh Zeus, yeah. But... Yeah. Let's do, yeah. Let's get that out. <laughs> That's the way why for I didn't sure. want to be but... like derogatory. Like I'm not comparing him to Zeus. I'm saying he's like a thousand million times better. But the way he moves in the ring, as you said, the lumbering, the selling. The, Very few do that. Yeah, and I, I, I just love that little thing. It reminded me of like back when I used to watch the Zeus and Hulk Hogan. I hated Zeus. I'm like, stop messing up Zeus, or my Hulk Hogan in the movies. Even like, leave him yep. alone. And that's what I feel. Old school movies. Undertaker. Yeah, old school Undertaker was stiff as a board, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Too. Now, the only other one I can think of today that does that from the modern times would be uh, PCO. PCO happens to have a little bit of that lumbering, which is, of course, part of his character. So, yeah, there are not a lot of people that play stiff like that that much. And um, it's kind of cool that someone does. So, fuck yeah. Yeah, I I enjoyed this match. This was fun. Um, I Like I said, I was just act, I was real surprised that Charles Mason Perro took the took the loss because I thought collective was going to be the, the end all be all to this feud and send everyone home happy. But still might happen. We'll see. Well, the shit went kind of sideways after this match. So Mason was yelling at Billy. He says Billy owes him for all he does for him and his mom. So I'm guessing there's some stuff going on where he's paying bills for his mom or whatnot. But he wants to <laughs> he wants to have Billy apologize and kiss his shoes. Like a total Vince McMahon kind of thing. At least it wasn't his ass. As Mason walks off, Perro picks up Dixon and slams his ass. It was kind of a surprise. But it looks like Billy is possibly done with Mason and Perro. But you know what I mean? Maybe that's just punishment and he stays there because he has to. Maybe that's why that part of the story was brought out with the mom situation. But it ended up getting the fans to say you're an asshole. Now, this opens several interesting things here. Um, Because of the mother situation, they may keep Billy Dixon with Mason. But at some point, Billy turns on Mason because of this bullshit and i think that's what the crowd was even pulling towards is that this is a good guy you're fucking up in there Perro. stop it yeah and i hope i'm not going too deep no 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 like it it's making it hard for me storyline not making it hard like i'm just processing it differently than i probably should be processing it but um Billy going after Effie in the first place was kind of like a huh moment to me and why he would align himself to mason uh, as you said, that's one of those questions we didn't get answered. Maybe I'll go back, like I said, and watch the videos and get that answer or listen to commentary better. And I just missed it. And then this one where he already kind of cost Mason um, and gets berated. And as you said, it kind of looks like they're already done. I didn't understand. It seemed kind of rushed. I thought maybe they would kind of save this to do something similar um, as the lead up closer to the collective. And then I think at the collective, that's where Billy could have had his kind of like what happened at survivor series, a Sammy Zayn, Roman Reigns moment where he's finally sick of Charles Mason shit. And then cost Mason the match against, uh, Effie. But I, I was assuming maybe some bigger stakes would be, uh, on the line at that match as well. And this is still too early. We still got what 60 days close to till, uh, right. Right. Till the collective. So they still got a lot more time to tell, whatever story they want to tell. I just, it, this the last two times seeing Billy, it just didn't make sense to me, but I can't, I'm going to wait for them to explain it and have them make it, make it make sense for me. Cause I definitely am going to trust them to do that and not trying to decipher why it wasn't done now, because we still got a lot of time between now and the collective. To add your heat on Billy initially, 
I would have booked him to come back in one of Effie's matches as like somebody on the side just to cheer him on and help him out. Hey, we haven't seen Billy in forever, forever. Nice feel good moment. You know, and then, then he fucks him over. Yeah. I think that would have been a good way to go. He walks out without any questions. We find out the next week he's working with Mason. Boom. That's how I would have done that. Then we would have had this sympathy that Billy has right now. And we would be like, well, Billy can't turn to Effie because he fucked him over and he can't turn to Mason because Mason doesn't want him around. What does Billy do? And now that opens up to a lot of possibilities, but that brings a lot of depth real quick to the storyline. If someone wanted to push in all that would have changed right there would have been, he's already standing in the back waiting to come out later that night, bring him out with Effie, let him fuck him over during the match. It would have worked out perfectly. And Billy would have went from face to heel. Then when that, yeah, anyway, I went a little too deep on that, I think, but that's where I would have done it. If I was playing with someone else's toys. It wasn't even my idea. I'm just building on someone else's <laughs> idea. So I'm not I'm not trying to put a rose on a maple tree. It just, you know. And I thought maybe like Mason or not Mason on um, Pero after even delivering that move to Dixon, maybe just to kind of like, hey, yeah, you fucked up. Here's this. I did this move to you. And then like carry him out where you're still working with us, asshole. You're, we're not done with you yet, but get better or else this shit's going to kind of keep happening to you. I thought maybe he was going to drag him out. But like I said, I'm interested to see what, uh, happens between now and the collective and where the story goes uh, until then. And it also solidified uh, Mason as being in control. It solidified Pero as being an absolute beast. And it took Billy out of the picture as a sympathy move. So we'll see what happens there. I do know that they had a lot of crowd heat yeah. when uh, Mason and Pero left. And that's a good thing. And then once again, he gets in another kid's face on the way out. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. That's going to be interesting to see in L.A. how uh, brave Mason gets <laughs> with the L.A. crowd. With the L.A. crowd? I'll be front row. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm not going to irk him on. I'm actually really respectful. I'm, I'm more of a fun, positive, cheer them on because that's what they want to have kind of thing. Kind of crowd person. Like, yeah. Fan. That's the word I was looking <laughs> for. Jesus Christ, man. Crowd person. Yeah, crowd Holy person. Holy shit shit i need rest actually what's going on is i've been working on homework since like this morning and i think i got a good seven eight hours oh for the eighth matchup of the evening we have tony deppin going against ricky morton and i just thought for sure this was going to be one of those just tony acting completely like an asshole and Ricky Martin getting every single bit of uh, the fans' love and kind of doing it old once. Kind of like what we saw during uh, Kerry Martin's match because of his injury, a more old-school uh, 80s, 90 match where we're not going to focus on the moves too much, but we're going to tell the stories with our actions to the fans, to the ref, and everything like that. And that's kind of what it turned into, this match. Um, I like Tony's flexibility to be able to do all these different kind of matches and still like this one, make Ricky Morton look pretty good. Like Ricky can still go and Ricky can still go. He still looks right. pretty good in the ring. Like it's still so crazy to see how good he looks uh, in the ring and still able to get the crowd on, uh, over with him as much as he still does. And it's been nice seeing that because he's definitely earned it. And I love GCW still keep on giving Ricky Morton his time to get collect his flowers. Oh yeah. The city they go to that goes back on that thing. I was talking about where GCW has respect 
they have respect for things like that. They respect, you know, the veteran as he deserves such. Yes. So I'm noticing that Ricky has this great light in his eyes still. You can tell he really loves this. I was watching when he was going through and slapping five with the fans. You could really see it a lot. A lot of rock, rock and roll chants in the crowd. They really want Ricky to beat Tony's ass. That's one thing that they they made uh, they made sure to say out loud. Deppin offers Ricky to leave or he'll do it to his face what he did to his son's wrist, which was obviously broken or whatnot. Deppin enjoys playing heel and it's hard to hide it on his face. <laughs> I'm just going to say that because, you know, I saw the happiness in Ricky's eyes every now and then you can see, especially when Tony does something really horrible. He enjoys oh, it. Oh, yeah. You see you that little see mark it. on his face. Like every time he mm-hmm. takes the takes the hat and tosses it, he just like he looks right at the camera. Yep. And goes, yeah. Or like on this one, I, that's a uh, we got to say this one when he came out, took that fans like it wasn't like a I don't know what kind of sign <laughs> it was. It was like. Looked like after he he took a fan sign and he threw it on the ring and it just like disintegrated. Looked like a, a brick hit the ring and stuff. But you can just see after he does that, he just looks right at the right at the crowd, flips them off, and he looks in the camera and is just like, "Yeah, I'm still that asshole." <laughs> you know, what it reminds me of his drop ceiling. You know, drop ceilings that that kind of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I got you. I got you exactly what you're saying. Now. Yeah, I didn't know the name of it, but yeah, I put two and two together. Like, yeah, like that yeah. weird stuff that's kind of a weird material. It broke like that, like, kind of like hardened a, styrofoam or something. That's what I was going to say, kind of like a styrofoam. I also was laughing when Deppin called uh, the referee an asshole, and Ricky went over because I'm guessing the ref is really nice, and took the ref's fingers and basically made him give the middle finger to Deppin. That, that, that was, was a fun, cute yeah. moment. That was a fun one. And here we are again. The match pace allowed a lot of talking and drama between the physical interactions. That was kind of how it was. You know, they do a little something here, two or three there, and then they'd come back and Ricky'd say something to the crowd or, you know, Deppin would tell somebody to fuck off. And it was very interactive. And again, it brings the crowd in the ring. It was a lot of fun. And I think Tony loves these kind of paced matches because he gets to slow down. He gets to do all the asshole moves. He gets to... Be in the ring with the legend still, which I'm pretty sure he absolutely loves, but still, like, just when he, like, I forgot what he did, like, a hip toss to Ricky Martin, but did, like, jumpy jacks, push-ups, then, like, did a little dance, yeah, little yeah. fingers in his face. Like, he's just, like, a giant little kid. Like, he reminds me of, like, the bullies that, like, the fifth-grade bully that wants to pick on the little, the second-grader and just, like, just sit there and just put it in his face all day long. And the enjoyment <laughs> that he gets from it's uh, pretty fun watching as well. I'm going to mention, too, that Ricky hit that destroyer he's known for. It it always looks good. I I just love it. So I just wanted to mention it for anyone who's ever seen a Ricky match. Ricky did his destroyer, baby. Yes. And he still does. I just said, still looks good doing it. So you want to announce a winner? Yeah. Or uh, wait, you had another thought, huh? I was just going to say, like, I just go back to the first time I heard uh, or saw Kerry Martin do it live and listening to Kevin Gill lose his shit on a... <laughs> On a sixty-year-old or however old Ricky Morton is doing a, a destroyer on somebody, like he just was losing yeah. his mind. And I remember watching that; like that put a big old smile on my face because I was shocked to see it too. I, the, I saw it in person. Oh shit! Who did he go in that match with? Oh my god! It was in Vegas. I want to say oh, I can't remember now. To be honest with you, hmm. but it was like crazy seeing. Like when I saw it, I was like, "What the hell did he just do? He did a destroyer. How old is he?" Like, yeah, yeah. But it is so cool seeing him. He killed it. Yeah, it's like you said, it's still cool seeing him enjoy wrestling and being out there in front of the fans and stuff like that. Like I think he doesn't he have his like his own wrestling school now, right? The rock and roll wrestling school. Yeah. Like that. 
So it's nice. Yeah, that's where him. it's fun trained. Okay. So it is still nice seeing him being in the ring and being around the business and having as much fun as he is at his age and enjoying it. Cause I don't think after doing it, as long as he's been doing anything, I don't think I could mm-hmm. do anything for that long. But it, it, it's so nice. As you said, nice seeing the light in his eye. Cause you could see like, we always talk about, yeah, it's yeah. always better when, when the wrestlers are excited and enjoy doing what they're doing, because it makes us fans get translated. And yes. And we enjoy them performing a lot more as well. Yeah. So in a total heel move, our winner ended up being Tony Depp and he pinned Ricky by putting his feet on the ropes like a fucking asshole. He is Uh eight, eight minute match. It was quick. I think it was a good reason for Ricky to show up in North Carolina. This is his place. The crowd in North Carolina will always be rock and roll express territory. So I thought it was fantastic. To see him come out there and Tony Deppin put through uh, and made a, a fantastic match between the both of them. Yeah, it was a fun match. I definitely liked seeing uh, seeing everything with Tony Deppin being an asshole and Kerry Martin doing this destroyer. This was a fun match. And as you said, it was nice seeing Ricky get, get the flowers in North Carolina as well. For the ninth matchup of the evening, it is a four-way tag match as the team of SGC, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice go against Bo Jack and Lucky Ali and the revolt of Caleb Conley and Zane Riley, and then the rejects of John Wayne Murdoch, and this time his tag partner is George South. And <laughs> I had my brain was like, where are they going to go with this match? Just because you got SGC, right? Bojack, and Lucky Ali, I think, are just two different styles of SGC. Then we got Caleb Conley, then the revolt of like, what? Like, (laughs) the talent was all over here. And I just went in with this. I'm like, let's see what kind of fuckery SGC does with this match. Because we're going to definitely need it because these are just four contrasting styles. And yeah, this was chaotic and SGC fashion. Um, The big standout to me was... I never knew how good Caleb Conley was like, cause we, the most mm. thing I ever saw him was an impact and he was always a manager. And then whenever he did get to wrestle for them, he always got his ass kicked. But in GCW, he's actually got to wrestle a couple of good matches and like, Holy shit. He's actually pretty good in the ring. Like, I don't understand why impact did not use him in the ring. And I'm pretty sure this is the same Caleb. I could be completely wrong. I hope not. But I thought it was like uh, Caleb with the K I think this is, it looks like just like him, but, um, and Bojack and Lucky Ali is a tag team. I, it's another fun tag team. I want to see kind yes. of go against not Los Mas, maybe not Los Macisos right away, but maybe go against a ugly ducklings, a main event. Um, one of these non GCW tag teams. I would definitely want to see them kind of go against one of these ones that we bring in locally to go against. I think that would be kind of good, good showcase of local tag team talent as well. Okay. So I'm going to start off with, I'll, I'll describe some things and then I'll go into George South because really South and Murdoch came out first, but we'll go to SGC. They started by really picking up the crowd. They always bring the energy. The Pantera music always helps. Lucky Ali and Bojack were out next. There were huge Bojack chants. He's very, very popular down South. If you didn't know, you need to. Ali was in great shape. He looks good. But between Ali and Bojack, it's like a Laurel and Hardy. You have the bigger guy and then you have the skinnier guy. And it works really well together. They do a damn good job. The Revolt are locals, I believe. I could tell because one of them had a Charlotte shirt on. So I was trying to you know, figure it out there. But that makes sense to me. 
So I'm going to go back to the people who actually came in first. Fucking George South. He comes out with Murdoch. He grabs the mic. He completely shits on the fans. He shits on Amel. I know he's trying to get heat, but if you watch, the fans are loving him. Like, they're laughing along. So he'll sit there and he'll say, whatever, fat boy, and they'll kind of laugh with him at that person, but not in a mean way. Like, look at what that motherfucker said kind of laugh. It's... It's really good. And I think the more we see him, if he grasps the concept of what the fans are getting about him, I think he's got a good thing going there that might last for a long time because he still keeps a pretty clean mouth. So, you know, it's not too bad. But I really do think the fans turned his gimmick on his head. It was supposed to be more of a boo and hatred. And he got like that he a heel that really was well received. I got scared I when he's fantastic. on the mic. I after the whole Chris Hamrick incident, I, I kind of get scared whenever I see like George South one because he was kind of pushing it a little bit last time where Effie was able at least to kind of cut him off and like, hey, let's go, let's stop talking <laughs> and wrestle before you do say something stupid, right? But you said though, right. that's the whole that's like that area, the territory. That's kind of what their promos are like, especially from heels and old school heels like that. Um, but right. just nowadays with everything, you kind of got to watch what you say and stuff. And I, de- I was like watching this promo. I was like, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Like, I was like, please hurry up and just end it. Let him get the quick heat. And then just <laughs> so that way nothing else happens. Like how, what happened before. But, um, he does have a funny, like good way of going about his promos as well. And that I was actually yeah. shocked to see the fans. I just, like, <laughs> they're like, boo, they're loving boo, him. Boo, boo, boo. And they're like laughing. Like, <laughs> I, 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 cause he's fucking tearing into someone. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> I didn't like it, even though it went on a little bit too long, in my opinion, I do like him getting like that, just that time to even do that. But, okay. Um, do you know why he does that? Because if he rides it well, because he was taking time, this is okay. old school. If he rides the microphone long enough and they think something he says is stupid, what happens usually? They boo you. Yeah. He's wanting that fuck off heat. So the best way to do that sometimes, just like stalling, is to hold the microphone too fucking long and they hate it. And he was starting to get that, but then he went ahead and stopped and moved along. But in a place where time doesn't exist as much, like a house show, he would have probably held that another three, four minutes and just made them hate him. Then he would have dropped the mic and taken that heat and done something with it. That explains what he did with that feat. That makes sense. So yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Now, but I'm like learning more about like now, like the, the territories and how their matches, mm-hmm. are, what kind of wrestling they like. And yeah, that's uh, it makes sense now, but I'm like, I'm glad I'm learning all this stuff. It's been fun learning all the different, uh, shit that kind of goes on like in this territory yeah. like this one it's been nice seeing the different styles and stuff like that yeah down south old old school wrestling is still alive down south um i would say that i don't want to say old school wrestling but i would say the way it was watched the way it was done uh has been the slowest to move into the the modern age in all the parts of the country, you know, the the Northeast really kicked off quick. You had WWE up there. They had the Hollywood style of doing things. Then here came along WCW NWA because it, it was really strong down South for a while. There was a lot of great shit coming out of Atlanta for the longest time. And then you had ECW pushing all of these fans into more of an attitude style. And that pushed even further with the attitude era. So why that's going on in the Northeast you still have people killing themselves in IWA Mid-South. 
which was an old fashioned death match. That's really what the South is about. Like going out there, talking shit and bleeding. And, you know, I, I just, I really thought it's cool. If there's anywhere you want to see old fashioned wrestling down South is the closest to it. That's maybe the better way to say it. But I really thought that, you know, even with all the heat that George was trying to get, he still said, you know, damn it. Charlotte's just right down the road. We're in flair country, which got him a huge pop. He's damn good, and I'm really happy that the fans are seeing what we were seeing in him. He's he's just an enjoyable dude, and he's a lot of fun. And we need to enjoy him while he's wrestling because I don't know of another one like him right now. Go yeah. ahead. No. I mean, like it's really rough to find one. Yeah, I like I, I was just like frozen. I'm like, uh, like cancel culture. Um, also, yeah. just being being the the fact that people may be um, not into that kind of talk anymore also eliminates that from say a modern character and it's a fine line to walk and george south does a fantastic job as a veteran and i think teaming him up with john wayne murdoch was pretty smart too because uh john wayne murdoch's kind of a down south kind of attitude and everything yes sir that was a good uh good tag team to pair with john wayne and uh george south did you see the part with Zane where he wants to get the biggest guy in the ring? So you see Ali kind of step in for yeah. a minute and Bojack's like, no, 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 he's talking about me. And then Ali like lifts his pants or opens his pants. He's like, nah, man, it's me. He's like, oh, they oh, think a big dick. Yeah, yeah, that that's part. what it was. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch that. So, so that's why he was confused was because they meant the biggest man. He thought that. Oh, and oh, it was Bojack. I loved like yeah. their interactions this entire like honestly yep. that was the main takeaway for me during this match was their interactions with each other and I like how maybe mm-hmm. they are telling a story for their own promotion through GCW during this match I think that's a cool idea too of why not yeah. on a bigger platform if you're gonna break this tag team up or if they're going through some sort of adversity as a team uh, having it play out on GCW program was awesome but I yeah I loved like. The whole Ali just getting jealous of Bojack and all the chance and like kind of <laughs> insert himself into everything. I I've heard of Lucky Ali from uh, Nasty Leroy, so I know the name of him, and I've have seen him a couple times. Uh, like just got mm-hmm. seen him with Bojack as well, but uh, I don't think I've seen them as a team. If so, maybe I just don't remember because it's been so much wrestling going on. Um, mm-hmm. After seeing this one, I definitely want to. I'm interested to see how their next match is. Like, do they do it? turn and whatever promotion they're at um or do they kind of go back to just being a solid tag team and they were just kind of playing up to the crowd this night but bojack and lucky ali was to me the takeaway of this match um and just their interactions like with everybody in this match against themselves with themselves with the fans like how like the beginning lucky ali is like screaming at like a kid and a fan tries to go in between <laughs> and then Bojack comes down, they're like, oh yeah, hey Bojack. And like Ali gets jealous that Bojack gets all the chance. Like, I loved this tag match just based off of that team alone. Okay, so in my notes, I'm just realizing there's chaos everywhere. That's the only way I'm gonna put it for the last probably three minutes of this match. So I'm gonna go straight to that real quick and just explain it. <laughs> Here's how chaotic it got. There was a spot where Bojack threw Ali onto a bunch of men outside the ring at one point. So, I mean, he was using his own partner as a weapon. There was George South getting split open with the barbed wire baseball bat. I think that's the one he generally brings to the ring. And Mance was just basically hitting everyone in sight with chairs. 
There were huge chunks of time where no one was even in the freaking ring. The ring got in the way of the action on the floor. So this is probably the first time I'd seen something like that in such a large chunk of time. And I loved it. Really, the the ring got in the way. If those guys had a choice, that ring would not have been there because they just had to walk around it to get to each other. That's the best way I could put it. But uh, the other... Go ahead, buddy. No, I was going to say, the last time I think I think you made a comment very similar, and it was, a, as you said, it was a long time ago. It was yeah. the Detroit show where SGC was going against, um, it was like the four-on-four four match. And they had like the, I think it was Detroit, where they had the Legos and stuff everywhere. And like right away, they went to the bar. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, like they were never in the ring at all. Then like they get to the ring and like, as you said, I think you made the exact same comments. Like the ring was in the way. Like get that, get that ring out of here. No shit. That's right. I want to say it was something like that match that you said almost the exact same thing. Cause I was laughing at it. It It's like, damn, you're right. They were outside the entire time. And like the only time they were Mm -hmm. in the ring was at the beginning. And then at the end, just to finish the match off. And that's how this match kind of played off as well. It's funny. You said that same thing. Cause I was thinking your thought from back then during this match. So funny thing here, the oldest guy in the ring, the vet, was the one who was actually bleeding the most. George South was bleeding like crazy after that baseball bat. Bojack is showing that he's the man in this match. He was throwing weight left and right, and it looked absolutely fantastic. At one point, though, shit kind of breaks down between the team. Bojack and Ali start fighting. George South at this time is getting thrown through a door and then Bojack from the back gets taken down with the chair by SGC. There ends up being a big splash on Ali and that ends up uh, becoming how, wow, I can't talk. And that's how our winner ends up being SGC. This may be probably my roughest recording in a while. Wow, man. What a night to do that too. That's our but, third yeah, attempt. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, man. Uh, another crazy match. I was surprised this wasn't the opener. I really say that. I think after all the wind was taken out, this would have been a fantastic start. Either that or that six-man scramble, you know, GCW style with the scramble. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i trying to say something I don't really have. I think I said everything on this one. It was really, for me, more about George South. He took the air out of the room, and he he got all the attention. He's just something else, man. I'll be honest with you. This is the first match in a while. I felt like SGC didn't even need to be a part of this match. And like, I know that's a interesting thing to say. Not at all. I was more interested in seeing how George South and John May Murdoch would act during this match. And it Mm -hmm. was really mostly just George South at the beginning doing the talking and then him kind of having his moment with Manson Warner, which I'm all for because, well, I'll get back to Manson a minute. But so I was really into the rejects and how they would react. Bojack and Lucky Ali had my attention from the entrance and that was my main focus was on them during the match. But then, like I said, seeing Caleb and how good he was and how good he teamed with Zane and how good Zane Zane was good. Yeah. With the other bigger men in this match. Um, I, like I said, I would have been fine even just these three, but I think that's where I'm getting with issues. And I know I said this a couple weeks ago and I, I probably shouldn't stop myself now, but I, I, they need, I, I, need to see a change and I feel like they dropped the ball of Vance Warner like that's the ultimate thing was once Vance Warner won that bunkhouse brawl on Ric Flair's last match he hasn't done shit since then unfortunately other than these tag matches I thought that was the time to have him maybe go against Moxley in GCW instead of AEW 
that would have been the time to maybe put him for an extreme title match. Or I know he was going through the tag titles at that time. So he was kind of preoccupied with that. But I think as soon as they were out of the tag title picture, Mance is one of these to me that's becoming kind of like a not I don't think he's being utilized. I think he as properly. I think they could be getting a lot more out of him. And I could kind of see like he's just kind of going through the motions, in my opinion. Like I'm not it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying he's doing anything bad. It just I don't feel that same fire as when he first came back from his injury that I do. Mm. I, I don't feel the same way now than I did then. Like when he came back from his broken leg, it felt like a rejuvenated. Well, that's that's rough, man. That's rough to come back from. I wonder if. Okay, so a quick story. There was a gentleman, I can't remember what his name was, probably 50, 60 years ago. He was hit with a baseball in, in um, damn, I can't even remember the team. I'm just mentioning this real quick because uh, he was a hell of a player and he got hit, fucked up his orbital socket. It was a terrible situation. I forget how many months, but after that, he came back. He never struck the ball again There's the same way. Every Jason time Hayward. the pitch came... Jason Hayward from the Braves or John Carlos Stanton from uh, the, yeah, when he was on the Marlins. He, he was the same. Those are the two. I think that when they got in the head, the eye at such a young age, they hesitate. Yeah. They hesitate. Now, yep. Their whole swings, they change their stance. They change everything. Yeah. Now I, I'm only saying that because maybe um, after you've had something so major like that, you're going to be a little extra careful, but what you're saying from what I'm hearing is you want to just see more. You want to see more from Mance. You want to see more out of Mance and you want to see him put in a, in a better position storyline wise. So what you're saying is it's time to push Mance. That, what you're saying. Yes. I'm saying it more on the booking end than him in ring. He's still doing his thing in ring. Like it's normal, but yeah. okay. okay. I, I know when he first came back, like you could see the excitement, the energy, the, like he was like glad to be back. And that's just natural. You've been gone for something you love for however long. And then you come back and yeah, you're going to be more excited and stuff like that. But I just feel like the way he, the momentum that he was gaining just specifically during that bunkhouse brawl stuff and him winning it. Like, I just don't understand why they didn't capitalize more on it. And I just think ever since then, like, like I said, I know he was busy in the tag title scene and that's fine, but it's been what since our war game, September. And it's been only matches we've really seen him in is tagging with these guys and just doing just SGC matches, which is fine. It has its place on the card, but I just think they could be doing more with Vance Warner, like in the title scene. Hmm. As a as a more, I want to see him more as a prominent figure in GCW than kind of what he's kind of doing right now. Is just as a tag team that does crazy shit. Like I would just like to see more, but better. Not I don't know how to say. It. Like just more a higher prestige of Vance Warner than what he kind of is now. Like I said, it doesn't like I'm not saying he's going through the motions, but it doesn't seem like he's as into it now as he was when he first came back. Because and I don't know, maybe he's feeling the same way with the booking and maybe he just wants to have fun and be safe and do it. That's all fine and dandy. I'm just saying for me, I think he could be doing a lot more and helping out GCW a lot more in that capacity, especially now if he's back in MLW and stuff like that. I think that'd be uh, he's a great face for GCW and I think he should be getting a little bit more. Um prominent time as a singles competitor than just as a stable mate and okay so no 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 i'm following i'm I'm following all of what you're going with here so you feel strictly him if they were given say the tag titles you're saying right now that's probably not enough you would want more because you want the spotlight on on him you feel he could do more than just the tag thing 
Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and I okay. love seeing yeah. SGC as a tag. Like you, we have to have the the walk, the Pantera, the craziness, the SGC split screen. Like I'm all for that. Like a couple of months, weeks ago, or a month or two ago, I said like SGC needs to split up or add new characters or something like that. Then mm-hmm. I, I think immediately then I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want that. I'm not saying that same thing now. I'm just saying I think Mance Warner might need to separate himself at the moment and focus more on a single, like I would like to see him excel better as a single competitor than as a part of a tag team at this stage, because like I said, they had a lot of momentum going around the Ric Flair's last match. And I just think they need, I, I could definitely see him doing a lot better stuff in GCW right now. And like I said, it's not, it's not on him. It's not on Brett. Brett's just like, that's GC's all super over. So why change anything? I, I just feel personally, right, I'd like right. to see, more from um i would like to see bands be put in better positions to get more out of him and that will lead us into our main event of the evening the main event sorry i'm i missed that i'm just a real side track i ever since the Uh year on rampage they mark henry still does the it's time for the main event but, I like that. But they don't talk no more. Like they, they just show a video at the begin like instead of doing the back and forth promo and mark in the middle, they just show the promo, marks there, marks there, does a quick little sentence or two, they show the video package, and then the video package comes back to Mark and Mark's like, Well, I guess there's been enough talking, does the same shit. Like, I missed the actual just promo. Why not just give them promo times? Like, if you're gonna right. just put up a video at that time. Get these workers more practice, more work on the mic, and more exposure. But that's another here. There, that's a different company. That it was funny. You said that main event like that. Uh huh. <laughs> no, that's okay. I actually like when he says that. I, I thought it. that was kind of okay in the beginning, and now it's stuck, and I really like it. Yeah, I look forward to Rampage. Like just for that part, like I will turn everything I have off sound wise. I'll listen to. I'll listen to the whole two promos, even though they might not be good promoers or promoers like two good talkers that are doing it but i'm interested to hear what they say and i'm interested to hear mark say that his saying and it's because sometimes it was real funny especially with orange cassidy like yeah are we done yet or like dan housing comes in and like he'll t- do it instead of mark henry like there was a lot of possibilities that they did and i just wish right. they would kind of go back to that way instead of how they changed their format but back to gcw sorry <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it, it's fun it's every now and then you got to get outside the norm we get I mean, hey, I'm I'm deciding to I'm deciding to be completely sleepy on the mic tonight. It happens. <laughs> Everybody does something different every now and then. <laughs> Isn't that a song? Dude, you have no idea with all the <laughs> all the work and stuff, man. Crazy. No, I don't. You were right. I I I'm not going back to school just because of all that. No, trust me. I'm just now realizing, but I think I'm old enough now where because of my goals, like I'm actually enjoying learning oh good i know it sounds weird i'm at that weird level of maturity where i'm actually enjoying it i'm a teacher weird. i'm done learning and i'm done teaching i'm done <laughs> fuck it all my brain <laughs> going into our main event we finally get to see one Eho del vikingo go fuck yes ringo loco and i'm so glad that it was right before this i think it was the day before they announced that uh the ban of showing live vikingo matches in in the u.s is over with they are now showing vikingo matches live everywhere he's wrestling which is something that i bitched about when they first came in i think on the last card i was bitching about um on the last podcast about why they did not show not even that they showed it live but they did it during the show instead of at the end so uh this was a very 
But very good news to hear before the show started. And I'm very glad it was against Gringo Loco too. And this is another match I thought maybe they might be saving for the World on Lucha. Or mm-hmm. or even Triple A holding it over for their show. Because that's kind of where it all started was where Gringo Loco beat up um, Vikingo at a Triple A show backstage with Joey Janela and Ox Cologne and stuff. But it was mostly to set up a Gringo Loco versus uh, Vikingo match. And I thought the whole purpose was it to be on Triple A, but... I'm not not going to complain that we see it on GCW, and this was a good match. I don't think it was top of line Vikingo, but as we've talked about before, I rather see Vikingo mess up trying to go for some mind blowing shit that we've never seen before than him be safe and not try it. I'm all like, right. he, there was a couple slip ups, but when you're doing the shit that he's doing, it's gonna happen, and. Like to me, it doesn't take away from the fact that he messed up. It doesn't stick in my mind that oh, like that, that he's not a good wrestler because he messed up. It's like I am so glad he at least tried that shit to entertain right. me as a fan. And there was a lot of those kind of spots in this moment, like not that not a lot of mess up spots, but he, there is a here or there. But I don't care. This match was gr- I loved it. This was a great match. Um, I'm glad it got was it 22 minutes. I am glad it got that yeah. long. And I think it deserved it. And I'm thinking the fans, especially for us GCW fans, to see a live Vikingo match on GCW on Fight TV Plus. Um, it was a it was a it was a treat. And I'm all glad that it happened. And I'm all for it. And I'm glad it was the main event and got this much time because this did not disappoint. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to kind of start this off like fresh recording wise because this was my first time seeing Vikingo. And I wanted to kind of catch my feelings on this one, just like from the get go, not knowing anything else, because I really don't. All I know is I haven't been able to see him and review his last couple matches because of the situation with AAA. So for me, I was really surprised by his size. He's a smaller guy and he is because of his size alone, incredibly acrobatic and quick, without a doubt, the complex moves that happen are almost unreal because a lot of them are just unseen or at least for me unseen it's really hard for me to describe a lot of his moves because i the only way i can put it is that sometimes one move can be a combination of two or three i have one right here as a good example a tornado phoenix splash like that's that's a combination of all kinds of shit it's just fantastic um the diving the Everything that's going on, I swear that son of a bitch is going to kill himself with how crazy some of the stuff gets. And there was one or two times where there was one time I thought he shattered his tailbone or his lower back. I think you probably even almost know which spot it is, but there's a nasty spot in there if you really watch. And I'm like, how the fuck did he not fuck himself up? It's because of his size. He's lucky because anyone my size, anyone in between his size and my size would not be capable of doing what he does without breaking our bodies quickly. Oh, yeah. I worry. I worry for him, honestly, because of the moveset that he does. If he went to another company, they'd probably slow him down. That's why I'm shocked uh, that he's not ruined him. Down. Yeah, I'm not shocked he's not slowed down GCW just because Triple A was like, hey, you ain't, you can't do this shit there, but they yeah. don't have anything on him. He's going balls to the wall. Like, I saw more in this match, obviously, because it was 22 minutes more than I did during the Blake match. I think the first couple uh-huh. matches was just him getting used to 
being in the States and wrestling in the States for the first time. And I think I think this is the third match from GCW where he, he was able to yeah. open up. And like I haven't gone back. I want to actually go back now and see if they ever put those matches on. Plus, like how they said, against Blake at yeah, America's yeah. Most Wanted or on New Year's against Joey. Because I want to go back and watch the Joey match because I wonder how good that one was. I heard good things, but I haven't seen anything on it. So I'm going to go actually... After this podcast, go check it out on Fight Plus. Nice, dude. Okay, so the spot I think I'm talking about, there were two spots where he went to the outside and landed pretty hard. So Vikingo dove to the outside. Gringo was in a chair. He completely missed Gringo. He smashed the chair Gringo was sitting in, and his recovery time was close to a minute. No shit. He he had to have been hurting out there because the action almost damn near stopped, and he was trying to collect himself after that. That guy earns his fucking paycheck. Boy, does he earn his fucking paycheck. And he's fortunate of his size to be able to do what he does. And he makes, he takes the most advantage of it. And he makes the most of it for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of glad too in this match by Kingo played a heel. Um, I think he works a yeah. little bit better as a heel, to be honest with you, the last couple of times. As it gets closer to collective, he seems to kind of turn heel. But I, that's when I've really enjoyed his work uh, has been as a heel because uh, especially against like luchadors, he knows how to get the heat on him as uh, as not a foreign luchador, but more of an American style luchador going against uh, Vikingo, especially he did a very good job to get the crowd all behind Vikingo and totally against him, which is kind of hard. As you said, we this is a totally different uh, mindset of wrestling in the South, like yes. Lucha shit. Like they're probably, I can imagine someone who's never seen like any independent wrestling down there, go from like GCW, WCW to this. And they're like, what the hell is Vikingo doing? And I think a lot of fans had that kind of look on their face when they first got to see him on this show. And, um, and he, Gringo such a good base too for Vikingo. I know they had it. Like I said, yes. slip ups. I want to see them run this back. And I think it'll be even better each time because once these two kind of get a chemistry, Gringo being so good as the base for everything that Vikingo does. And I think it'll just improve Vikingo and look, have him look more impressive than what he has been currently. So many top rope maneuvers. Yeah. <laughs> top rope over the rope, through the ropes. Um, it Okay. It's almost like he thinks like an acrobat first and a wrestler second. I, that's the best way to put it, because you can even see he he sets up and almost has like a gymnast, like a gymnast breath before he does his move. You can actually see it in all of his top spots. You'll see where there's a half a second where he's centers, quiets himself, then executes. You can see it almost every time. It's really cool to watch. I'm with you. Gringo did a fantastic job being out there. Fighting Vikingo is a handful, also a dancing partner. He did a damn good job catching Vikingo oh, when he yeah. needed to, to really make everything look as good as it did. Okay, so I found that spot. I looked in my notes here. So the spot where he hurt himself. So Vikingo takes a huge tope outside the ring. It was actually a 630 yep, and hits Loco. Okay, yeah, it looked like he shattered his back and tailbone. I just put that he has to be sore and he earned his paycheck. So... That was the spot that looked nasty where I had to put it in the notes because it was just vicious looking. Yeah, he, as you said, he takes a lot of damage during this match. Um, the, that one where he's on top of the ring post and then like leaped onto the rope and then jumped across the ring after that. Yeah. The flying arm dragon. Yeah, he almost 
ate shit there. But like as you said, luckily Gringo was there to kind of catch it. But he did like a handstand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was insane. I I still blown away by some of the shit Vikingo does. Um, and I think I said before, if he took a light tube, it wasn't a light tube. It was a chair shot. He just like took a straight unprotected chair shot. And I was just like, why is he doing this in uh-huh. North Carolina in the second week of January? Like that was kind of shocking to see that triple AAA, AAA would like kind of let him do that. But, um, I'm all for it. I'm, I want to see a, uh, non, not, no chains on Vikingo. I want to see. The Vikingo that AAA gets, I want to see that, but in GCW step fashion. And this match kind of showed me that, yeah, we're getting exactly that. And I just hope Vikingo stays in the States for a little bit longer. Um, I know he's through the collective weekend. I'm glad I'll see him. I think he's been announced for two or three shows already. So I'm excited to be able to see him front row uh, at mm. the collective in, yeah. in uh, LA. And I'm excited for watching all the Vikingo matches. The one, oh, the speedball match. That's no. Yeah, they did. Yeah, speedball. Vikingo versus speedball at Joey Janela's spring break. Like, Jesus. that that they gonna. I don't think there's gonna be a uh, another match that tops that one in my opinion. That was booked, but Vikingo seeing him for this long is it's been awesome. And this match was good against the Gringo. But that yeah, you said that six thirty spot. Once he hit like the way he landed on the outside onto his tailbone, I was just like, ooh, that's got. Like you said it took a minute right. or two to recover from that. Wow. You know, okay, so the one spot I will mention here, Gringo hits a great sit-out avalanche military press slam on Vikingo. Beautiful spot. That's where I wrote in my notes that I think Vikingo is going to break in half one day. (laughs) Dude, I don't know how he does what he does. He must... Okay. Do you remember in school there was always that kid? He could just fucking face plant into the dirt, you know, and he'll just stand right up and he's unfazed. You know, you ever see that there's that one tough kid that he can just take a baseball bat to the head and he's like, ah, you know, whatever. But Kingo seems to be one of those guys where he could just get fucking rocked and he's able to just get back up again. It's just a matter of when every single time, dude. It's kind of scary, too, because he said he is so small. I wonder how this. Yeah, these injuries are going to kind of catch up to him. But luckily, he is still also so young. I think, what, 25 or 24, I read. Really? Um, cra- yeah, which is crazy. I I think he's going to get signed at some point really fast this year, or AAA is going to go bankrupt keeping him by him, keeping him mm-hmm. in Mexico because he's absolutely worth it, especially for them out there. Um, he's a main eventer. Oh, yeah, easily. And he's had some great matches like Bandito and stuff like that. So, um, Oh, shit, Bandito, huh? Yeah, he, that's Bet what that he did. Was good. That's where he did that crazy... Uh, Front flip 450 into a hurricane Rana or no poison Rana because he landed on his back. That that was yeah. Jesus. It Viking goes nuts and I think this was a good match. He displayed a lot of moves that I didn't think we would see this early in his first match, well first live match on Fight TV. But I'm glad we're doing it because I think we're going to get the unchained version of Vikingo, and that's the version I think all of us want to see in GCW. Dude. Okay, so I'll just announce our winner and I'll keep moving because I do have some more interesting thoughts. Well, interesting to me thoughts here. Our winner was Vikingo. He did a top rope 630 on Gringo. And I thought it was a fantastic finish to this match. Again, you're right. 22 and a half minutes here. It was an absolute. It was like a book. You actually got to read it. It went in chapters. It was fantastic. There were breathing moments in between here and there within every couple minutes. It was nice. So 
<laughs> I'm almost concerned about the amount of damage that Vikingo can take. I'm sure it's similar to what he does everywhere, but what he did here was nuts that night. He's just so damn crazy. He's another level of tough. I'm impressed as a fan that's only heard hype and never seen him. So he is, I don't say this often, he actually is one of those people that is worth every single penny, you know, that has been sold on him. I really, I, I would be scared to put him not in the main event because he would possibly steal the show. Wherever he's on the card is going to be a second main event. Like you can just, you can stick him right before, you know, the intermission, you can, wherever the fuck he's going to be always the potential best match of the night. I'm, I'm realizing that now. And that's how I felt when I first started watching speedball was like, holy shit. Like this guy could like, it doesn't matter if he's in the main event. This is the match I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to the most. And every time it delivered and like, uh, yeah, I agree with you. He's one of those ones. And I, I agree with you on the damage one. Cause when he took that unprotected hair sh- headshot with the chair and like it busted yeah. him open because he caught the tip of or like the edge of it, that's where I'm like, oh, I don't know tri- how much Triple A is going to like that, and I don't know. I, yeah, they might have no control of him. I'm just speaking out of my ass here, just based off of what the whole situation was with him not being able to have these matches shown on Fight TV because of Triple A. I'm pretty sure they still can have some say in what goes on in his matches in the states, but. Yeah, some like as you said, it doesn't seem like it, but I'm always just worried, especially after seeing like a chair shot like that. I'm like, this might be a ding where like, okay, now nah, no more chair shots, no more tables, no more doors, any of that stuff, and that's gonna hinder what we could possibly see in Vikingo and GCW. But until that happens, I'm gonna enjoy this ride. And it for seeing match number one, like I said, I want to. I totally forgot that they went back and put it. I want to go see him versus uh Janelle and to see if. That match lived up to this one because this one was a good one. So to me, I'm realizing he's one of a kind. He reminds me of like Mysterio or Eddie Guerrero. He's going to go amazing places as long as no one really puts the brakes on him too much. WWE automatically are going to put the brakes on him. Uh, That could be good and bad. You know, they let Ray do some things. But Ray was never running 100% in that company at all, ever. If you've ever seen an ECW match with him or some of his older shit, Oh, that kid used to cook and um, he never got to that stride. Maybe 70% of his speed, 80 to 85% of his speed tops. Did he ever use in WWE? And just, was, just saying that right off the bat and the longevity. I think you said as putting the brakes on them, kind of extending the longevity, which is going to be natural. I just don't know. Like with Vikingo, do I just want to see five years of crash and burn or 20 of 50% of Viking. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough right. one to think about. I so what happens here it. is it's pick your spots. That's yeah. how that would really go. You pick your spots. That's the only way to do it. I wrote here that he's the next level Mysterio. He's doing now what Mysterio would do if he knew and had the foreknowledge of the moves that we use today. I guarantee you, it's just like they talk about Jimmy Snuka. If a lot of this shit was available to them back then, there's a damn good chance they would have performed then back then. So I look at this as the next level Mysterio, because when I sit here and think about it, there aren't many in my head, if one at all, that I would put above him right now as a performer when it comes to athleticism. I haven't heard him on the mic, and I haven't seen him in a storyline yet. So I'm, I'm not 100% on that, but all the hype is real on Vikingo. If you haven't seen him, 
I'm I'm behind it as someone who's watched wrestling since like 84, 85. He's someone you need to go see. He's unique and different and absolutely talented. And one thing I know it's been kind of knocked on him, but I think because he is so young, um, I think this will be good for him in a lot of ways. Is that like they always say the match psychology, match psychology. He doesn't know how to do the match psychology. Like I'm not one to say he does or does not, but they always say like he, if it wasn't without all these crazy moves, his matches would be shit. He does so many where I think if he took out, let's say three or four of those spots and saved them for another match down the road. But in that time still learn, not learn, but kind of as some people say, tell the story, sell a move or something like that. I think that's going to, Slow the match down, which will, when he does do some of these crazy moves, even though it might not be as much, I think the crowd's going to pop even more, but that will also extend his career and extend some of these matches. And I think that will get rid of a lot of the haters that say he doesn't know how to do storytelling. I just think his style doesn't tend towards storytelling. And like how we said, there's a lot of different kind of style matches. Like I don't think a lot of the speedball matches per se have a lot of storytelling in them, but it's just such a fast speed and such awesome moves going back and forth they're telling the stories while doing the moves and i think vikingo could kind of find his niche in that little spot of wrestling and wrestling fans as well dude gringo really 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 badass night for him very complimentary to vingo uh, to vikingo's style he let vikingo shine but yeah, he brought his A game. People aren't seeing it because they're too busy watching what Vikingo was doing. But without Gringo's absolute help there, it would not have looked the same, obviously. So big up to him because he went in there knowing that he wasn't going to be the focus of the match. And he played a damn good job doing it. So between that and Vikingo, I'm really looking forward to seeing both of them again here sometime soon. And I feel very fortunate that we have someone like Gringo in the company. I'll double up on what I said before. I am not happy until I see gold on Viking or on uh, <laughs> on Gringo somewhere. I want to see Gringo enter through those curtains with a belt or two on his shoulders. I think that uh, I think that it's time to give him something. He's damn good. I want to see like a hair versus hair match at Collective, the world on Lucha, just to see these two go at oh, it. Oh, shit. Hair versus hair? But they're both, have you seen both their hairs? They both got long, yeah. shredded hair. I'd like to see something like that. Yeah. Oh, oh man. man. That's evil, man. That's evil. I get oh, it, though. Here's totally more, get it. Here's even more evil. Charles Mason oh, would no. come in and ruin the match, and there'd be no winner, and he would have all the heat on him. That's pure evil. And then as the manager, I'd pop in and make them shave his head for interference. <laughs> exactly. That'd be, that'd be a great See? way to send the fans home happy yep. and give uh, exactly. Charles Mason his comeuppance. Um, oh, yeah. I just watched that spot that he did uh, on the table, the 630 outside. Just Dude, right it was nasty, back. right? Yeah, right on his back. Okay, yeah, that move right there. I feel like that took a little bit. Like, maybe that might have taken a week and a half off of his you know career somewhere <laughs> there. That was some nasty fucking move. That would like put me in the hospital for like two years if I did that. Um, before that though, like Gingo showed something that I haven't really seen of his is the strength. When Gringo Loco came off of either the second rope, I think it was, or top, and Vikingo kind of caught him cleanly, didn't hit the ground or nothing, caught him in, uh, huh. and slammed him afterwards. Like I was surprised to see Vikingo with that strength. So that was a nice little wrinkle to see in his game that I never really saw of uh, previously. Dude, knockout. I'm I'm totally happy. Yeah. I'm- as as uh, 
as an owner, I'd be totally feeling like I won the lottery obtaining him for some time on my shows. Having him on is instant, instant tickets sold. Yeah, it was, it was a great main event in my opinion. And this was the reason I was so excited once they signed Vikingo, because this is what I expect from him. Um, and then once they announced, yeah, like I said, the collective at Joey Janelle Spring Break, him versus Speedball, like, good fucking lord. Like, I'm in. Yeah. I <laughs> Like, I think I made three dream matches going into the collective, like I was telling my wife. Like, if I get these three matches and some of these, uh, any of these 10 shows, I'm going to be ecstatic. I said I wanted Leo Rush versus Vikingo, Leo Rush versus Speedball, and Speedball versus Vikingo. Now, I'm getting at least two out of the three matches there, right? Uh, that one, and I also want to see um, now that with DDT announcing that Takesha is going to be coming over, I want to see Takesha versus Jordan. I think that would be a great matchup. As oh my, yeah, yeah, it would. So Leo Rush versus I never thought about the that. winner of Vikingo and Speedball. Like Vikingo Speedball is match number one. I'm all in. Then Leo Rush gets the winner. Then Jordan versus Takesha, and I I will call it the best collective ever. Damn. Yeah, but it's Vikingo's is on another planet right now with his moveset another fucking planet i don't even think he's living the same gravity as the rest of us are <laughs> and it's been fun like i can't wait to keep on seeing him in gcw uh i don't think he got announced for anything else in, uh at the moment after this other than the collective so maybe uh maybe i don't know what the plan is if they're going to use him until then or not well they didn't call me for a match i know that <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I think that was a great way to end. Don't talk me a great way to kind of showcase the North Carolina crowd of what GCW is fully about and expose them to a top tier luchador match with Gringo and uh, Vikingo. And they seemed like they loved it and were excited and were loud the entire time too. So um, that's a good sign for Vikingo that he could get over, not just in lucha specific places he could get over in, Somewhere that Lucha is not so popular. And that's, that's a good sign, I think, for him in the States. I think that's like a, it is. a big challenge of him is tr- going to try to get over um, in some of these uh, places in the United States that kind of are not used to seeing this kind of level of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Putting Lucha down south is not always the easiest thing to do. You never know how people will take it because it's different. And for some people, quite new. Uh, they took it quite well in North Carolina. Yeah. And then we have Atlanta coming up, but I don't think he's in Atlanta, is he? I we just have the collective, like you were saying. Yeah, I think this other the the last thing I think he was announced for was collective. So maybe I know he's working with some other promotions too. So I dare find a crowd that doesn't like him. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. That LA crowd's gonna be all for him, seeing him multiple times in the collective. Like I think it's gonna be his like spotlight moment. I think it already is with and I his actually, weekend. It could be his weekend when it comes to GCW. And I think Speedball slowly getting that too with the, this match against Vikingo and his Bloodsport match against Kota Ibushi. Like, I think this is also like Speedball's like, here you go. Thank you for all the great matches. What do you want? Who do you want to wrestle with at the collective? You get the first choice. And I, and I think Speedball's definitely earned it. And I can't wait to see all those matches that he has at the collective as well. That um, potential secondary title, the IC. I'd love to have slapped that on Speedball. This is another situation where we need that title, where someone like Speedball could come in up against Deppen, up against Blake Christian, and put on one hell of a show. There is a potential belt waiting to happen there, and Speedball at this point should be carrying it at least one or two times 
he's fantastic. I like how we get him in our company as much as we do. He's he's just fantastic. He's another one where great acquisition. I liked him from the first match I saw him. Yeah, he's one of the big reasons I kind of got back into Impact Wrestling once they kind of signed him. No shit. Yeah, him and yeah. uh, the Kingdom and the the Honor No More kind of club. I was kind of glad to see the Ring of Honor uh, wrestlers still be able to get some shine in uh, TV time on Impact. But that was kind of at the same time as Speedball. So uh, definitely always check out Speedball matches on Impact because he's killing it there as well. So you want to head into the memorable moments? Oh, shit. I think you should go first. I have a book here, and I have a feeling I probably have repeated myself a couple times. So I I, I say after you, sir. I do not have a book, but I just got a couple. Um, The big one, I'll just say it now so I don't have to say it again, was getting Vikingo on Fight TV+. This is something I've been asking for pretty much since I seen GCW. I wanted them to get Vikingo because I discovered both kind of around the same time. Mm-hmm. So f- to finally not see it just in person, but to see it in a 22 minute match to main event, a show I was all for it and excited. And I think it delivered um, very cool. Seeing them give the Jay Briscoe tribute at the beginning um, as this was around that time. Um, Blake Christian had a pretty, pretty good match against Andrew Everett. I liked how he's full on heel get keeps on doing his damnedest to get the crowd be uh, against him. Harry Morton and the Bob Orton arm cast of his going against Jordan Oliver. Nice change of pace for a GCW match. And like you said, I think that was a great call mm-hmm. the Cardona. Like it totally reminded me of Jordan match against Cardona, where it's a lot of fluff at the beginning, a lot of fluff during the match. But when it the time yep. when the time to wrestle to, came to, they did very good job of it, considering especially Carrie's circumstances with the cast. Um I did like seeing him act like a Absolute jerk and heel, though, during this match. Champagne, get to hear Champagne just sing his soliloquies on the mic. It's awesome. Um, and the other one was Teriyaki back in a GCW ring with the scramble and seeing how good Axton Ray and Teriyaki, Mar- Marcus, Jimmy, um, and Senshi looked. I, I like the scramble is awesome. It was low key, like, surprise, really good for me because. Just off name value, I didn't think it would be good because we've seen the last couple ones. I think the last one I said, like, there was an all-star scramble. Like, <laughs> that yeah. GCW yep. ad was like, holy shit, how are they going to top that scramble? And even though the name value wasn't good, the action was very good in this ring, and I enjoyed this scramble. Um, and then, yeah, wonder what the hell's going on with Billy Dixon and what's going to happen at either <laughs> the collective, the big gay brunch, um, or possibly maybe they'll end this beforehand and we'll get a totally different direction going into Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Mm. Good, good. Alrighty. So the first thing I'm going to say about my memorable moments was this was a big show. That's the first thing I'm going to say. One of our people that listen online was like, you're going to love this show. There's so much going on. He was right. I don't know if you remember who it was or whatnot, but... They mentioned it for a moment, and 100%, whoever it was, you were right here. This is a very big show. I'll say it again. I've said it before. I said it on the last show. North Kara local talents show the fuck up, and they put on a show. 
when we go out to when GCW goes out there. We would not have seen that show elsewhere. There is only one George South. There's only one Champagne. The Ducklings were fucking killing it. They should be proud. They looked absolutely fantastic tonight. They're on another another level, honestly, than what I'd seen them last time. Either that or the last time I'd seen them before that, they just weren't on their game, but they looked absolutely great. The Wayne and Arez match, it was showing Wayne's wrestling maturity. We were starting to see less of a kid and we were seeing more of a wrestler. And I knew that when it was put into the back of my mind that that was a kid out there. I was really watching two men wrestle. I didn't see a man wrestling a kid. There were high amounts of fan interaction. It was Southern style. It was gritty. It brings the fans into the ring, into the action. I appreciate it. I love it. Again, Champagne on the microphone. Absolutely fun. One of a kind. There won't be another like him. There isn't one walking around right now that I know of. So I appreciated every bit of that. The six-way match with Axton as the center. Absolutely fantastic. He does a great job in there. It's like Mercer. He just throws motherfuckers around and he's damn athletic, you know, at any time too. Mason and Perro, that team works. I really like them a lot. I'm still confused by the storyline. I hope to hear more. The four-way match, the four-way match was the first time the whole night where the crowd was noticeably really loud. And again, I don't it's not the crowd. It was the fact that there was a somber moment that started the show and it was not easy to pull out of that. I say it again. It's really hard to ride a roller coaster right after a funeral. It's just not something you're going to want to do. And GCW brings the roller coaster. So these guys had to kind of warm back up into it. That's why I said maybe the scramble or that four way tag would have been a great way to kick the show off to get people back into it. Lastly, Watching, I have to promise people, lastly, watching Vikingo was unique, and that's the point of any performer, to be unique and different. I believe he's incredibly touch, uh, touch, he's incredibly tough. I have a lot of respect to him and uh, to his body, what he's putting it through. He's taken a lot of hits. He works hard like Kenny Omega. He doesn't just go into a corner, he throws himself into a corner. And just like Kenny Omega, there's no half-ass in his work ethic. It's balls to the wall. And I believe it's just like Kenny Omega's uh, style. He can't last forever with that style. Kenny says it. And I'm sure Vikingo probably would agree that I don't know if 20 years from now uh, he'll be able to, you know, go from there. I'm not closing it. Damn it. I know who you were talking to. I saw my bad. My bad. (laughs) No, Um, for anybody who's listening right now, he said, close it. He, he was talking he was talking to someone over there at his house you know every now and then we have like the dog at my house he's got people live at his place too so yeah but um is there anything else besides that i was gonna do just the upcoming show or two what you thinking man there was one thing i totally forgot man yeah, my bad on the um close it there i thought i was muted oh no you gotta do what you gotta do um one last thing i wanted to give a shout out because i did not catch this live until um, he mentioned it to one of our Twitter, um, I think it was on yours, on one of your uh, Twitter marks about recording the podcast tonight. Because like I was talking on some of these matches, I did have the sound off on commentary because it was late at night when I watched it. And during this match was definitely one of them. But during the SGC four-way tag match, we had a special commentator uh, in the booth. And that was That's one, right. one Mr. Joe Cortez and... Um, he killed it. I I enjoyed him on commentary. I did go back and once I once he said that he was 
did commentary. I had no idea because I didn't hear it. So I went back and I watched that match on commentary, and he was good. I really like him. He's a voice. He's he's a is a fan. Um, I know he's a couple done a couple things. He said backstage with GCW. I've I've met him in a, uh, at the LA show one time. Uh, it was last last March or April during um the coldest winter the that crazy weekend where they rioted and threw shit at Joey Janela. I got to meet Joe Cortez there, but um very nice man. His voice is very unique and his knowledge on especially North Carolina wrestling and GCW definitely shown through here. Um, I think he lives around that area or used to live around that area. I'm not sure. But just hearing his voice on uh, on commentary was cool because he was, a, he was yeah. one of those first voices I used to hear on the Twitter GC, uh, the GCW Twitter spaces. I really miss those. I wish they would start doing those again because those were always fun, not just even for the wrestling stuff. Even though when it was wrestling related, it was good talk, but they used to do like solve mysteries and solve puzzles and do conspiracy theories, like wrestling conspiracy theories, nothing crazy and political and stuff. But he was always on the platform and always up on the up there talking and stuff like that. So it was very nice hearing his voice on uh, commentary during the SGC tag match. So big shout out to Joe Cortez for killing it on commentary. And uh, hopefully we'll. Uh, hear him again on commentary sometime soon or maybe uh, I know I was talking with him for a little bit too about getting him maybe on the podcast to uh, just come in and do like a little guest spot here and there and um, review some of the shows with this because I know he's a pretty big GCW fan but big shout yeah, out we've actually had a couple a couple podcasters have wanted to do yep. a little something or come on and vice versa so shout out to all of them we just need to get our shit together 100 percent. we're still just getting up and rolling and as soon as we feel confident there's a whole slew of fucking interviews that need to be set up with talent that we know we just need to make the call and say hey let's just get that time like it's waiting to happen we have people we want to talk to it's just a matter of us getting everything together it's just slow but this year i've already told myself i'm going to be working on some programs and i'm also going to be investing in some new audio equipment yes. so looking forward to some new things ahead i know you're also looking at some audio equipment too so yeah my set doesn't slowly step it up i touch it yeah man well <laughs> you mean we're not rich people in a studio Fuck, all right. no we're normal ass people well if i didn't take my Check from Fight TV Plus and go gamble it every weekend. I'd have a lot <laughs> to buy an equipment. All that blue chew cash. Well, that hasn't been cash. I've been getting blue chew just as payment. And they just pay you in pills. <laughs> <laughs> nah, oh it's been gosh. fun though. But yeah, I just, I do. We have been talking some other podcasts and stuff like that. So uh, once, as you said, once we kind of get more uh, situated, because. I mean, yes, we are 44 episodes in now at this point. Um, mm-hmm. We've just been kind of just cranking going along with whatever we have and making improvements yeah. and changes as we go. So I, I agree with you. Once we kind of get more seldom and stuff, I do plan on getting a lot more. Like We're all for Like, you guys have questions on Twitter or anything else, go ahead and put it out there. We'll talk about it yep. on the podcast. And we would like it. I originally had this podcast, the plant podcast to kind of, uh, uh, bring some fans on and just review shows and talk shows as well. So we will do want the fans involved with the show. Um, and we will be doing all that stuff as we keep on going. And I guess we might as well. I'm go going. Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess we could kind of do what we were going to do. And at the fucking beginning. going. 
Just I like had to, man. <laughs> no, I'll say we could kind of break the news now. Well, that uh, broke. I kind of tweeted on it the, yeah. the other day, but um, we did get a shout out. The GCW Plants podcast was shouted out on the GCW uh, official GCW podcast on Patreon. And they did, uh, I, they always have a mailbag and I always uh, ask questions because I always like to ask weird, stupid questions to Brett and get some answers and stuff. And um, they did one of my questions and they were talking about the podcast and they said, uh, Brett told everybody to go check us out. And then Stephen A told said, Stephen A, you listen to them, right? And I thought Stephen A was just joking. He's like, oh, yeah, I've listened to a few episodes. I'm like, yeah, sure, you have. Like, I, I know how Stephen A likes his wrestling and stuff, and we are not the podcast for him. But this showed that he does listen to us as he goes, yes, they're very, uh, very knowledgeable. They give out a lot of great info. They're long. So we get a, we give out a lot. That of, was us. That, yep. that, right away, I was like, oh, shit, okay, he listens in. <laughs> like, he knows if we're long, yeah. then he definitely had to listen to an episode or two. But um, he kind of gave us the ultimate uh, stamp of approval, along with Brett of telling uh, people to go check us out. Stephen A said uh, he's sorry to tell this to Brett on their podcast, but he called us the official GCW podcast. I still not going to call us that. Um, I just never, still, not until fans, we got yeah. okay from the big man. We're just a fan podcast for right now who enjoys ourselves, and we're hoping um, one day we just maybe eventually maybe make it official. And again, we're taking baby steps to go that way. Yes, and uh, yeah, little by little. And we just wanted to say, I said it on Twitter. I sent them messages as well, but just have it on the podcast, even though Stephen A might be listening. I doubt it if this is at the end. <laughs> but uh, just a big thank you to Brett, um, Stephen A, for those very kind words. Like that, that made uh, made my night. I've had a yes, I've had a rough twenty twenty three so far, but that was absolutely um, a nice shiny light on a lot of darkness going on around everything my stuff but um it was very nice hearing those words and i definitely appreciate it and just want to say once again thank you to brett Stephen a for the shout out and thank you to everyone gcw wrestlers the fans everybody that does reach out and say that how like about the podcast and leave nice words and comments and thumbs up and tweets and replies and retweets and stuff like that yep. it all does mean a lot like everything does mean a lot so i just wanted to take this quick second and just thank everybody out there but that was a very good feeling of having the owner of something that we're covering just as fans because we enjoy it kind of tell people to go check us out and then someone else who kind of uh doesn't like wrestling as it is nowadays as much as he used to and podcasts and stuff but to kind of he did give us a chance to listen to it on his own time and uh say those kind words to us on their official podcast was very nice and i just want to say thank you all uh everybody involved out there uh for those kind of words because it does mean a lot Okay, so for me, you actually contacted me and said, hey, 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 they mentioned us. We were mentioned because, again, we're just fans. We're just doing a small thing, but we've been told we're dictionaries. We really do try to sit here, enjoy ourselves. And the intention from the basic original idea from you was to just spread the word out there. And so we've tried our best to do that. We've been slowly, you know, just engaging with people on Twitter and other places and networking and doing nothing as to the best of our ability, but to just be positive, thankful. And we've tried to maintain that and we want to maintain that. 
And the amount of people that have started to listen just over the past, well, since we've started, I'd say in July, you know, officially it was earlier than that, but you and I, since July, so August, September, October, November, I mean, there hasn't been many months there. And a lot has changed. And for me, I look at about sometimes three to five hours for a review. And then we sit here four or five hours for two to three hours sometimes. So, I mean, on my end, I'm looking sometimes at eight hours or more, give or take. And that's per episode. So to have someone actually listen to what we have to say, and it happens to be the person who owns the product, who puts their hard work into it, and for them to say they're appreciative, I'm I'm very thankful and appreciative also. Um, again, it's not like a huge, it is turning into a huge speech, but it's not. It was just something that was mentioned uh, to the Patreon members. And yeah, I hope everybody turns in. It's it tunes in. It's not perfect. Obviously, I say fucking 13 other words that uh, should mean what I'm trying to say. But and I say that same word yeah. 13 times in a sentence. So uh... yeah, that's OK. <laughs> No, but it was just kind of like a thank you thing. If you're in this deep, you're someone who gives a shit. If you give a shit, thank you so much. And we tried to do the same back. If you wanted to say something, say hi, whatnot, fucking hit us up. There's been listeners on here. He ain't feeling good. I get a hold of him. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Are you okay? It's perfectly fine to do that. Reach out to people. Be positive. Feel free to do the same back to us. If you have any questions, we'll talk about them on air. That's cool as shit. We'd love to do it. We talk too damn much. It'd be perfectly <laughs> fine if someone gives us an idea of something we can talk about there. Yeah, but and it doesn't I think always that's have everything. to be positive. In my opinion, like you don't, nope. I, you nope. can always. I'm all for constructive criticism. Like I know I ain't perfect, and any little thing I know to help out, I always try. I always make a note of it and try to improve. And that's the only way to improve is to. Yep hear something from the listeners out there that they would like to hear more of or less of or ideas and or like how right in this episode you got me <laughs> telling my son to go back outside real fast so uh yep, no, yep it's all good and i we do appreciate any feedback positive negative um and we just appreciate the listen and support that we have gotten because it has been incredible as you said we started off I remember getting the first hundred listens. I was like, holy shit, we broke a hundred. Holy what shit. What the hell? And now. And now a hundred's like nothing. Now a hundred. Not, well, not nothing, a but a hundred's like. <laughs> or an, an episode yeah. almost after like a couple days. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it went from just a couple to quite a few. And then when you think about putting that many in a room, it's quite a few. So whoever does have the patience. God, thank you. We love you. Oh, my God. We could fill up Hammerstein right now. Oh, that's a good thing. Hey, that's a good dude. thing to think about. That's a good thought. Um, okay, so you want me to just hit this upcoming show? Because, I mean, we could go to the other shows, but this is the upcoming one, and yeah. it's about a week out, so it made sense. I'll just okay, cover so- real fast, uh, just before you get to this. Our next two yeah. shows, we're covering the um, GCW versus New South, I think it was, and um, shit, what was the other one? Um, GCW versus, oh, Take a Picture. So Take a Picture is our next episode that we will be covering. Um, and GCW versus New South at the moment when you listen to this will probably be Saturday when I release this. I know I think um, if I said it earlier in the episode, it was probably on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, life happens, so uh, we've had to re-record yeah. some stuff. But um, yeah, those next two episodes will hopefully be out before, as John's about to announce, the J-Cup here on Feb- uh, Saturday, February 11th. Um, the, we should be all caught up. Hopefully by then is in the plans. And um 
yes, thank you all just for listening. And that's the, yeah. the current plan for upcoming uh, GCW podcasts. But John's going to release right now the GCW plans for their next couple shows uh, coming up on uh, the calendar. Release them like doves, baby, like Prince. Oh, okay, so none of you are old enough to know what that means. I am. All right. I am. Well, yeah, of course you are. Well, all right. Probably, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, or I think like a Chappelle, one of the Chappelle scenes yes. with Prince where, you know, something like that. Dang okay, glasses. so... Here we go. <laughs> okay, so here we go with our one upcoming show. I'm going to put that here. Also, feel free to appreciate the fact that we may be spacing these out a little bit show-wise because there's very little wrestling going on for GCW in February. So we are trying to also space things out just a little so that you have something to listen to because at this rate, we're putting out two and a half, three, sometimes four-hour episodes. I mean, we'd love to put out more, but hopefully those four hour episodes fill you up for at least one evening or a couple days. So, um, all right. So our next upcoming show will be Saturday, February 11th. This will be at the White Eagle Hall in New Jersey City, New Jersey. I'm sorry, Jersey City, New Jersey. This is at the Jersey J Cup. Part one will be again on Saturday, February 11th, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Part two will be later that day, 8 p.m. Pacific, 5 or 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. The opening round scramble had just been announced not too long ago so we're going to go ahead and announce that now we had jack cartwheel versus cole radrick versus dante leon versus marcus mathers versus yoya versus mckay mr dylan mckay so we have that in place we also have bailey versus gresham commander versus Ares, leo versus deppen shelly versus jordan blake versus alec price and janella versus starboy that is a lot of freaking well star power <laughs> yeah and wow two, just two things real fast i didn't know it was just going to be a one day tournament that's uh that's right. pretty crazy i thought that was going to be at least a two day and um we were kind of questioning before when this was first announced that this was cuz jcw is usually on youtube programming for free this was a fight tv only production so um the only place you are going to be able to see this is Fight TV Plus, even if you are looking for the uh, Jersey J Cup for JCW, it will be Fight TV for GCW slash JCW. Yeah, four ninety nine for that is a fucking steal because that J Cup is I mean that again, we talk it's Bola level. And I was just about East to, Coast. Just about to say, unlike Bola, you won't have to wait four months for this to be released on DVD. It will be four yeah. ninety nine on Fight TV pretty much right away as it happens. So uh yeah. It, as you were looking for Bola level tournament, I think this is yeah, in my opinion, I would actually, like I said, be earlier. I think this was this podcast. I would prefer to go to this and Bola, even though Bola's closer, because I really love the talent that they had for this show. I think the talent, just off of my recognition and name value, was a little bit higher than a typical Bola one. Even though Bola has a couple of the same competitors, I just think like some of these names I'm more excited to watch than I would be some of the other wrestlers that Bola usually gets or PWG usually gets. That's a complete sentence, my friend. <laughs> this is a good show, man. Um, North Carolina never fucking disappoints. I appreciate when we go there. I didn't know what to expect the first time we went to Charlotte and then came away happy. I'm happier and more satisfied with this show than the previous. 
Yep, I'm right there with you. This one was better than I intended uh, going into it. And yeah, that was a fun episode to review as well. For the next one, GCW Plants Podcast episode 45 will be GCW's Take a Picture. And shall we send them off on number 44 like how we always do, John? We got we got people listening. We got to impress Stephen A here. So we got to get it right. Yeah. All right. You ready? Long? Long. Yes. (laughs) Your turn. GCW. GCW. Be a bitch.